0: Oh hey hey, Guardians! It's September eleventh and twelfth, two thousand sixteen. And did I? I didn't say that intro right, did it? Oh hi! What language is that? Internet. Internet. Oh oh hi oh hey, you are listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is episode thirty-eight point five, and this week uh, we're finally at the end of our exotic coverage. Hooray! This will be the fifteenth and final episode devoted to exotic fifteenth. Yeah. Two exotics, jeez. Wrapping it all up with part two of Titans. The first exotics episode aired back in June, and oh my gosh, it's been a been a fun and crazy ride since then. But we've covered every exotic in the entire game, a whole bunch uh, that aren't in the game, like some Warlock boots, um, and some was that a was that a huff gavel? Sorry, man. And some uh, some of the some of the one. Some of the Wons. ones. Maybe
1: ones. I'd go with ones. <laughs> I
0: think so. Some of the ones that we expect in uh, when Rise you know, some of Iron of the next We're next only getting so one. <laughs> we're ones. only getting one. But we're going to talk about... Oh, yeah. I guess one. Good enough. We're here. <laughs> we're going to do this thing. I'm uh, Helm of Saint 441.
1: I get it. It's I part get it. i name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm X-Ray. Got uh, the Gabble House in the house. What's up, man? Um,
1: I, had a, I had a rough day today. Uh-oh. So, you know, we're all preparing for Rise of Iron, right? We're getting our Ingrams stashed and our faction ranks just so, and I realized today that I was at that state on my warlock. And that if I did anything else in the game, I was going to rank up Future War Cult again and have to do more grinding, which whatever. So I'd rather devote some of that time to some of my other characters. But I don't want to not play my warlock. Wait, wait, uh, what?
0: Are you you saying that you did what I think you did? So,
1: so, I'm going to say these words. So I joined Dead Orbit.
0: Yeah. Once you go black.
2: yeah.
1: Whoa. Whoa. It's true
0: it's true
1: so I don't know how to feel like I had my my war cult exotic bond on and it just vanished it was like I I felt like I'd been kicked out I was being punished
3: exile
1: yeah Um, (laughs) and then I I looked in the menu and and saw that I still had a a war cult emblem on and I was like I I don't feel right wearing this emblem (laughs) right now
0: are there angry ninjas with iPads chasing around the tower now I don't know, I'm too scared to go over there. <laughs> yeah, don't do it.
3: At least you don't have to climb all the stairs anymore.
1: So I don't know. It's a bad day.
0: You'll be all right. It'll be day. it'll bad be rise day. of iron soon enough and you can switch I'll, back. I'll push and, through. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. Let's see. I had to, I know I had to switch like more than a week out because I want to be able to switch immediately. Right. So.
0: <laughs> all right. I'll well, I'll get through. I'll push through. Okay. We'll 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 be pulling for
1: you. I I'll, I'll lean on you guys a lot these these next 9 days though to really you know, keep my spirits up.
0: <laughs> okay, and on to the Sherbanat. What's going on Sherpa Pop?
3: I'm good. I've I've had fun this last couple of days playing with uh putting shaders on class items. <laughs> so much fun. Just sitting in the uh sitting in the tower for hours by the shaders kiosk. Going, what if I put this cloak on? Now what if I put this cloak on? So I pretty much just, just done that for the past forty eight hours on Destiny.
0: Wow. <laughs> okay. And uh last but definitely not definite definitely not least is Drop from Above. Drop slash, what's up, man?
2: Not too much. Finally finally wrapping up exotics. I'm happy about it. I have these double episodes. Have just been a crazy amount of work and notes, but I'm super glad that we're wrapping them up. I had a really fun time in the last episode, hanging out with my clan on the show, so that was cool. And then since then, I've been haven't had a lot of time to play. Been slowly getting my characters all like pushed right up to the edge, and I had saved up uh, a bunch of faction status and items for the. Uh, the patch that we got, and then when nothing new sort of came of that, uh, I cashed them all in I'll just rebuild them and stuff, but the nice part is that now I have the next week to just sort of really get everything super close. I'm working on all my gunsmiths. I edged all my gunsmith to the very next level and then picked up a gunsmith gun and got it one shot away from uh, what it's ready to do, and then got aerosol like right at the edge and all the different factions. So I'm looking good for the switch over. Just my Hunter is the one that I'm lagging on. So I can actually play my Hunter when I sign (laughs) up. Nice. Just join the War Cult. Don't worry about that rep. My War Cult's ready to get knocked over. Like War Cult and New Monarchy are both ready to go. So uh, in the weeks following, I can just switch them over, cash it in and switch back.
0: Nice. Yeah, I was uh I was upset I missed last week. It it sounded like a fun episode. Um but I threw my own little flare in the at the end there, so that was fun. Got a lot of feedback on that too. I guess uh my culinary tips or or other stuff might have to become a um not regular thing, but maybe a, an occasional thing. Um Well, let's get the show moving so we can get these exotics done because I am I'm happy, like you said, I, I'm glad that we've documented these the way we have, but it's time to get some other lore in yeah. there. So, yeah. And I'm
2: glad we did, even even as recently as yesterday, we're getting notifications that exotics have changed a sort of in an undocumented fashion. There was a big thing about Striker Titans and Shoulder Charge, uh, and they made a big deal about sort of skating, is they added some vertical thrust to titan's uh increased control jump which hurts skating a bit and then they added an extra second to shoulder charge activation but in doing so changed how an exotic we're going to talk about today works uh, so it's nice it's nice that we got them all on the books hey right up to the, and literally like right up to the start of year three this is every exotic in the game and what they all did and why they did what they did and where they came from so feels good. It feels good to have this all done in one big bundle.
0: Agreed. Agreed. So, all mm-hmm. right, let's get uh, let's get going here. Um <clears throat> first to the uh thanks and announcements. Uh not much going on here, but I do want to mention today marks the 15th. I hate calling it an anniversary cuz that usually sounds like something fun, but this marks uh, 15 years ago today uh the the 9/11 uh terrorist attacks occurred and I pulled this little blurb just to to mention it from the History Channel. Um, So, on September 11th, 2001, 19 militants associated with the Islamic extremist group Al-Qaeda hijacked four airliners and carried out suicide attacks against targets in the United States. Two of the planes were flown into the towers of the World Trade Center in New York City. A third plane hit the Pentagon just outside Washington, D.C., and a fourth plane crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. Often referred to as 9-11, the attacks resulted in extensive death and destruction triggering major U.S. initiatives to combat terrorism and defining the presidency of George Bush. Over 3,000 people were killed during the attacks in New York City and Washington, D.C., including more than 400 police officers and firefighters. So just wanted to mention that and, and just remind everybody, you know, there's bigger things going on out there than, uh, than just a game sometimes, and, and I hope everybody took a minute at least to, to think about that. Uh, and anybody who's not in the U.S., I'm sure, has heard about that. And if not, there's going to be a link uh, in our show notes to the History Channel article uh, just describing what happened that day. There's a pretty interesting timeline. So I just wanted to, to say that. So uh, let's move along to, I think, our first look at something new that is dropping that shouldn't be. Is that right?
2: No, it's supposed to be.
0: Oh, is it? it okay. Is. All right, I've seen so many... Yeah, it was officially acknowledged. All right. So they put that in there just to cause some, cause a stir, maybe?
2: Well, yeah, some hype. <laughs> and also, the name here could be a jab at what people like me are doing since the update. Oh, yeah. Right. Place you're not supposed to be. Yeah, uh, we did first looks on previous episodes when they were announced. Uh, we looked at the new exotic Kvostov, and then we looked at... What was the heavy machine gun? Nemesis Star. Nemesis Star.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: And now we have a new one. Uh, we have the Trespasser, which is only the second exotic sidearm in the game. <clears throat> I hate reading this, but I'm going to... Flavor text reads, You are not welcome, unknown. I beg to differ. Shiro 4. Uh, the exotic perk is called Be... The, well, the first exotic perk is called Be the Danger, this weapon fires bursts of bullets with deadly accuracy. The second perk is called Unrepentant. Reloading after a kill causes the next burst to be a longer, more powerful super burst. Uh, the perk symbols for Be the Danger, the first one is it's very similar to the Postmaster symbol, which is the four, the four circles connected, although the top one is sort of flat on the bottom, which makes it look like a hunter's hood. And that same logo can be found on the gun's grip when it's using the default skin. Uh, the second one is a un- currently unknown Fallen symbol, uh, and the same logo appears painted over the barrel of the gun and the default skin. Uh, I looked through all the Fallen library stuff, everything. There's no known symbol that correlates to this at the moment. Uh, and it's also not modified in Angular like some of the SIVA stuff we've seen, so it looks like a standard Fallen thing. Speaking of ornaments, it has two. One is called Fallen Assassin, which colors it similar to Shiro 4, uh, which falls in line with him wearing gear that looks similar to House of Kings. That's yellow and blue and black. And Crucible Assassin, which I think is a very Halo-looking skin. (laughs) Uh, The emblem on the grip changes to the Crucible Crossed Swords logo, and then it gets the, uh, the little shields along the side that look like the trophies from Crucible. Uh, unknown Foundry. Uh, and, yeah, then just some notes here. Uh, I don't like this uh, this flavor text at all. I think it's so generic and bland and boring, but whatever, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Unrepentant perk. So I have not got one of these yet. I didn't have a lot of... Sp- I haven't been saving weapon grams in my vault I only had two specials and I didn't get this but some of the folks in our slack chat have so I had them do some testing uh, for us <clears throat> so the unrepentant perk uh, you have three seconds after a reload so if you reload after a kill you have three seconds to reload the gun after a kill uh, and then it gives you five a five second countdown it appears in the left a little timer called unrepentant so you have to use it pretty quickly. Uh, When the perk is active, the next trigger pull will produce a double burst, which is essentially a six-round burst instead of the normal three-round burst. Uh, And if you land all your shots accurately, this allows you to one-burst somebody, in the Crucible anyway, which is where a lot of this testing is happening. And uh, the perk does stack. I had Zane and one other person in the Slack chat check this for me, and now I feel terrible because I don't remember the name. Someone who look it up right now. <laughs> uh have any of you guys or gals received this thing? I haven't. I no, had no.
1: four special Ingrams saved up and I got three <coughs> plan C's and a Telesto, Which just thrilled me. Nice. Um <clears throat> I was in a fire team with somebody who got one earlier today after a uh, after we killed Oryx. He'd gotten a couple Ingrams from the, the shade at Oryx and one of them turned into a trespasser, so I was super jealous of him. Sweet. Barracuda Roy is the other person. He's Barracuda
3: Roy, I was about to say. (laughs)
2: So, Barracuda and Zane, thank you for testing this. And they tested the perk does stack uh, as the reload action triggers the perk and then the kill uses it up. So you can keep stacking the super burst. So every shot in your mag is a super burst. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so potentially that makes the gun super lethal. Because if you can one-burst somebody, you can basically load up the super burst one burst, reload, one burst, reload, and keep the unrepentant going.
1: Yeah, so we you know there's going to be, there's, there's gonna be a, a YouTube video of somebody getting like five or six in a row in Crucible yep. with this thing, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and like most sidearms, it respawns with ammo, so I believe it's 18-18 on respawn, so you always have something to shoot with.
1: Which is cool. That's cool. Uh,
2: it's an arc weapon, so it causes enemies to disintegrate in that beautiful arc cloud when you get kills with it. Uh, then the last thing I, when I was looking at it, I, it looks like a. To me, it looks like a paintball gun, uh, and I'll explain why. Uh, the it has a sort of like exposed rear piston, and then under the barrel in the front, it looks like. Not not exactly like, but very similar to a 12 gram CO2 cartridge. Uh, so a lot of paintball markers have that sort of pneumatic auto or semi-automatic action. Uh, but there's also a small subsection of paintball markers that are basically paintball pistols that are used as sidearms in a lot of like skirmish and recreation style paintball matches. And this particular gun looks exactly like the Redux R043, uh, which is a paintball pistol, and that's not unprecedented because—and I've never mentioned this because we never talked about it—but if you look at the Crow's Eye sidearm, it looks just like an old Sheridan PGP
1: uh, paintball pistol. So, well, this one's also—I mean, it's it's the RoboCop gun, right?
2: Yeah, and that's the other reference too. Is the. Uh, RoboCop's what was that one? What was his gun called?
1: I love that gun. Help me! I don't, oh, man. don't have that in The auto the, nine. Yeah, the auto nine. nine. Yep. Yeah.
2: Although I think in RoboCop that gun had a, like a fifty-round
1: magazine. So. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article for it right now, and that is exactly correct. <laughs> yes, <laughs> fifty rounds. I wish I had a side with
2: fifty round wow. magazine in it. <laughs>
0: You you mentioned uh, Barracuda Roy and I gotta mention this. Uh, the other night I was just messing around on Crucible and got an invite from him and Whack Job and Malice and uh, uh, pseudo pseudo menace, minus pseudo minus, minus? yeah and uh, they they were right at the end of Vault of Glass and they're like hey you want to come help us out and apparently they had been struggling with Atheon and I jumped in there and immediately like killed myself nice. on accident and then they beat it. And Success. Then they said, yeah, and then uh, and then they then we ran Crota real quick, and it was really fast and fun, and and it was funny though because we got to the bridge, and everyone said, "Are we going to do this legit? Can we do that with five people?" I said, "Yeah." <laughs> I said, "Well, I've never done it with I've never done it the right way before." So there were like three people that we had to walk like talk through the <laughs> through the whole part with the uh, the oh the 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 bridge. Yeah. Oh yeah. man,
2: I was. I was randomly... I was playing with Pseudo Minus as well. Uh, we were doing some Court of Oryx, but before he joined my fire team, I was I was just damn messing around in Court of Oryx, and these two two players showed up. And... So the tier three was Thalnok. I watched these guys probably get killed a hundred times. <laughs> they could not figure out the shield drop and oh. sword mechanic. And... I'm like, wow! These guys must have never fought Crota once. Like they they came in in year two, never had any incentive to go do uh, Crota's end, and now are completely lost on how to handle Thalnock in the court. It was really funny.
0: That's great, but man, I had a good time. I hadn't run Crota in quite a while, so so thanks guys for for taking me through that. All right,
2: there you go. You gotta take your uh, your trespasser down into the stills and just. Super Burst, Endless Thrall.
0: <laughs> Apparently that's, yeah. you need to get one of those first, I guess.
1: Another cool thing that, that we've seen this week that we sort of touched on here with Trespasser because we actually have all this information uh, is everyone should definitely go to their, if, if they don't have the guns uh, on them, go to their blueprints and look at all of the new ornaments. Yes. And um, there's a lot of cool oh, little things to see. Um, a lot of the guns get like new icons and emblems on them that we've never seen before. Uh, and I'm sure we'll touch on all that stuff one day when we go back and uh, talk about how Exotics changed in year three. But um, everyone should go check it out because there's some pretty neat, neat little surprises in there. Carbon fiber Mida multi tool. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I'm excited for the Arctic looking one. Oh, because that... I want to get I want to get the Shader Arctic Proxy. I'm going to look so good. Oh, because you run
1: the hunter... You run the spectre gear, don't you? Yeah. So you've I got fur. I want that
3: shader. And then I'll have like Arctic Proxy with the fur, and I'll have that, and I'll look so good. And I'll be like, I'm going to go sit in the snow now. Bye, guys. That's right. Because there'll just, be snow in the game.
1: Just go to Hoth. There you go.
3: It all fits.
2: That black Mita <laughs> is going to have me maining Mita Multitool again. It is so, It does look pretty so good. So good looking.
3: My... Yeah, I, I loved looking at the ornaments in that. I loved uh what's it, Monte Carlo. Looking
2: oh, I was really hoping it. the logo on Monte Carlo was gonna change so we could figure out what foundry it belongs to.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I think my favorite one is the shock hazard ornament for Zalo. Uh,
3: yeah, uh, that's a pretty cool pretty one. Good looking. I like uh Invectives got a cool one. Whatever it's called.
2: The iconoclast uh, or the one that makes it look all smashed and broken up.
3: The smashed broken one.
2: The, econ- the iconoclast um, tr- one has a new uh, logo on it.
3: And uh, truth as well.
2: The gold truth <laughs> is great. It has the a truth. the Physio Cruise, uh nameplate, signature nameplate on it. Ridiculous. Yeah,
3: because you know, what's better than a giant rocket? Uh, solid gold giant rocket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, a lot of good stuff in there. Let's... I kind of wish there were more exotics with, or- with ornaments, but maybe that's something they'll add in updates or something. But I want an exotic ornament with my sword.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I was looking at the sword. I was very disappointed. I went down in the kiosk in order. I got the swords last night. Oh, I so wish there was swords or something. Even if it just changed like the hilt of it. I want, I want a black bladed bolt caster. Oh man! <laughs>
1: Stop! <laughs> I didn't know I wanted that. Now I do.
0: So how are we gonna run this one? We gonna what do we got left? Helmets and boots. Helmets and boots for Titans, and then one. What are we gonna start with? Boots one or helmets? One way down at the bottom. Helmets or boots? Boots or helmets? Let's do.
2: Let's start with boots because we've got an immediate change to the first one we're gonna talk
0: about. Agreed. I was hoping you were going to say that because helmets are where it's at. Everyone loves helmets. Well, we we got our... Possibly the
2: most lore-heavy exotic in the entire game is sitting in Titan Helmets right now.
0: Okay. What's our first one? The MK-44 stand-asides? The Mark 44 stand-asides.
2: Nice. Flavor text reads, Pardon Me, coming through. Uh, Year 1 exotic perk... Be somewhere else. Increase the duration. Shoulder charge remains active. Uh, And it would roll with heavy weapon ammo in year one, which was not uncommon for boots in year one. Uh, In year two, the perk was still called Be Somewhere Else, and it reads, Increases the duration of shoulder charge and tighter turning radius uh, while sprinting, which is similar to the effect that you get if you're running a sword, where you can turn super tight. Uh, In year two, the Mark 44s will always roll with arc double down. The perk symbol is just a shoulder charge icon. But as long as we're talking about perks real quick, uh, in the recent 2.4.0 update, the Mark 44 stand-asides were changed without documentation as a result of the also-undocumented changes to shoulder charge. So this is about as current as you can possibly get.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that was like, what, three, four days ago? That was
1: yesterday. Was it? Well, well, the, the acknowledgement the, that there was a change yeah, that yeah, didn't the, make it the into the... Yeah, the actual
3: patch was yeah. four days ago or something. Yeah,
1: and then uh, Cosmo posted
2: on the Bungie forums yesterday talking about this change. <clears throat> so, sh- the shoulder charge prep time has been increased by one second. Uh, attack speed and targeting tracking were slightly reduced. Makes me very sad. Uh, as for the stand-asides, the act, they now have the perk, in addition to increased duration for shoulder charge and tighter turning radius while sprinting, they now reduce shoulder charge's prep time by four seconds, which is monstrous. Uh, so even with the, the increase, that's still three seconds less you have to wait before it becomes active. That makes the
1: stand-asides very compelling. Yeah, I mean, it gave these a place where it's like, if you want to run shoulder charge, you are going to want to run these boots. And these changes were made in response to the, quote,
2: excessively deadly combination of shoulder charge and the new artifact, Memory of Yolder, uh, that's coming in Rise of Iron, Memory of Yolder artifact gives you basically unlimited sprint. Uh, There's no cooldown on your sprinting. So apparently they've been testing this internally, and Titans were just freight training everybody <laughs> because they never yeah. have to stop moving.
1: Which is a thing that people were worried about from the moment they announced that artifact. Yep.
2: <laughs> so I wish, I wish I could see footage of those playtests with just <laughs> a Striker Titan who never has to stop. Uh, that would be amazing but now this artifact paired up with the mark 44s is still gonna be
1: pretty ridiculous so and we yeah but I feel like I feel like that's good I mean there you you still get that ridiculous ability but you have to invest in it with your exotic true I think that's fair instead of before it was like you're just gonna get it yep so. <laughs> Uh I don't
2: know if this is a, a reference, but the Mark Forty Four part. I think one of the most famous Mark Forty Fours that we know of is the Mark Forty Four Bushmaster. It's a thirty mm chain gun <laughs> that's used on tanks. It's also uses. I think it uses the same ammo as the the chain gun we talked about. When we were talking about exotic weapons on the front of an A ten Thunderbolt Warthog, which coincidentally is the same caliber of, caliber of bullet fired by Red Death. <laughs> uh and but interestingly uh, the barrel of the mark 44 bushmaster 2 is chromium plated for extended life Uh, and the original stand asides were like a metallic plated color speaking that metallic plated color we talked about the mark 44s and we talked about ruin wings and how the The pattern work and the color and the design on Ruin Wings is very similar to the stand-asides. And how there's no exotic sets in Destiny because you can't wear more than one exotic at a time, obviously. Uh, But there's very distinct design similarities between the Mark 44s, Ruin Wings, and then also the Eternal Warrior helmet, which we're going to talk about. Uh, Other than that, not a lot behind these. Uh, again, just raw, practical Titan exotics. <laughs> like, keep running, smash things. Uh, I never, I've never worn these. Uh, I've never found a compelling re Even now, with the the shoulder charge cooldown or the shoulder, yeah, shoulder charge prep time being reduced, still probably not going to wear these. If I want to shoulder charge, I'm going to wear the next pair of boots we're going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So, but that's the notes on the standard that, again, changed, or we just, this change was just discovered uh, in the past sort of 24 hours, even. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: Also, in year one, like, what was the point? Increases duration, shoulder charge remains active. I don't feel like that's ever really been a thing. If you're a titan and you're getting ready to shoulder charge, you usually don't start that until you're close enough to your target that you know you can hit it. Right. I find from playing Striker for so long that I've got a pretty good feel for how long it takes to get there and how much time I have left. It's it's rare these days I miss a shoulder charge. Although I have not shoulder charged anybody since the tracking has been reduced and the attack speed has been reduced, but... I still find like 85 to 90% of the time people who are getting shoulder charged they forget that it's even a thing that can happen. <laughs> so <laughs> So I find like I get I'll get shotgunned out of shoulder charge. That's a thing that happens, but usually it's people who go, "Oh yes, I see a Titan charging straight at me. I know it's about to happen." <laughs> There's some people who just stand there and are just like, "Oh.
1: Okay, well, and then they're dead." <laughs> why are you running at me? I guess I'll shoot primary at you. Oh I'm dead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's always You've fun. been watching
3: me play Crucible, obviously. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One of my
3: why is that guy running <laughs> oh I'm dead.
2: One of my that, most favorite things sense. in the world is on Pantheon, right as the match starts, you can take if you you can take the outside. And you can tighten skate super fast, and usually you can get up over the stairs on the opposite side and get a nice solid shoulder charge on somebody who just started their hard scope. And it's blind t boning hard scoped snipers with shoulder charges so satisfying.
3: <laughs> that would be pretty satisfying. Uh,
2: so yeah, speaking of satisfying, uh, let's move on to Peregrine Greaves. I love these boots. These are like my, these boots are my secret love affair, my secret exotic love affair in Destiny. I've never used these. Oh man, I love them so much. There's
1: more. Practic- I don't even know if I have them.
3: <laughs> oh, I, I love these too. There's more. I was only re- recently I've started playing Striker, and then I was recommended to use the asides and then I was like, oh, you know, I'll try the Peregrine Greaves. Oh man, yep. never looking back.
2: <laughs> this is why I never <laughs> wore. So yeah, good. this is why I never wore the Standerides because the Peregrine Greaves. So let's go over them real quick uh, and talk about why they're so amazing. Peregrine Greaves, victory from on high. Year one, uh, the exotic perk was Peregrine Strike. Shoulder charge deals bonus damage when activated in the air. Uh, And by bonus damage, that means it is tripled. So in PvP, a shoulder charge will do a flat 200, pretty much. Uh, With Peregrine Greaves, they will do 600. We'll talk about what that means for everybody else in the game in a moment. <laughs> in year one, they carried more heavy ammo, which is standard for boots. In year two, same name, Peregrine Strike. Shoulder charge deals bonus damage when activated in the air. They will always roll with Arc Double Down. In year one, the symbol was the shol- shoulder charge symbol. In year two, it looks like a like a super fireball. It's the it's got the shoulder charge symbol in the middle, but it's got, like, a giant fireball symbol around it. It looks like a super Hadouken. Uh, all right. What's in a name? I think the most obvious reference here is the Peregrine Falcon, which is the fastest animal on Earth. Renowned for its speed, uh, it can reach over 320 kilometers an hour. That's 200 miles an hour uh, during its characteristic hunting stoop, which is its dive speed. I think every person grew up in high school reading about peregrine falcons and how damn cool they are. So, So, I also believe that a lot of peregrine falcons, when they dive at that speed, they kill their prey by curling their talons and basically punching whatever they're trying to hunt at 200 miles an hour, which is awesome.
1: That seems like it would kill something.
2: Quite cleanly. Uh, that 200 miles an hour thing is also funny, too, because I think it's been calculated in game that sparrows, if you took a sparrow and made it in real life, the equivalent speed would be about 220 miles an hour. So. Was
1: uh, that SRL speeds or in regular in game speeds? I mean, that's
2: regular, that's boost speeds calculated. Okay. Which is funny, because that basically means that being hit by peregrine greaves is like being hit by a boosted sparrow. <laughs> Uh, But peregrine means a bunch of other things. It comes from Latin, uh, peregrinus, which really means one from abroad, one that is a foreigner, traveler, or pilgrim. And you will be sending people traveling if you hit them with these. (laughs) A couple other quick things I just stuck in here because I love these boots and I spent a lot of time on them. Uh, There was a tactical operation called Operation Peregrine. There was an Operation Peregrine 2 that involved a whole bunch of uh, paratroopers, parachute infantry. So they were quite literally, uh, victory from on high. Uh, there's also an engine, the Rolls-Royce Peregrine, is a 21 liter, 885 horsepower, liquid-cooled V12 aero engine (laughs) built by Rolls-Royce in the 1930s, uh, It was essentially the ultimate development of the company's Kestrel engine, which had seen widespread use in military aircraft. So that's a fun reference, uh, since the perk has to be used while you're airborne. It's like being hit with 885 horsepower's worth of liquid-cooled V-12 knees. It's also an astrology term for a planet with no, quote, essential dignity. Uh, and that term in astrology refers to the relative strength or weakness of a planet or points' zodiac position by sign and degree. Uh, it seeks to view the strengths of a planet as or isolated from other factors in the sky. So, again, kind of relevant because you'll never you won't you don't see it coming. <laughs> we'll talk about why you don't see it coming because you may think that you're protected from these. Guess what? You're not. <laughs> uh, I looked for a long time for victory on high. It's a not an uncommon term. I know it. It originates sort of has like a biblical reference. I couldn't find a super hard resource. The closest thing I found here was from Psalm twenty, uh, which reads, "O oh, dread protection that cannot be put to shame." Disdain not, O oh, good one, our entreaties, O oh, all-hymned. I don't know that word, Th- Theotokos. Theotokos. Yeah. Make steadfast the commonwealth of the Orthodox. Protect those whom thou hast enjoined to rule over us, and grant them victory from on high, for thou hast given birth to God, O oh, only blessed one. Ah, uh, there's a variation of that that I also found. <clears throat> Which just reads, ye endured tortures for Christ, God, O all praised martyrs, and have received trophies of victory from on high, praying continually that he save our souls. Uh, TLDR, it's a common used phrase that's referenced uh,
1: quite often as representing
2: heavenly victory.
1: And Theotokos is just a title given to Mary.
2: Oh, there you go. So that's where sort of the victory on
1: high comes from. Again,
2: makes sense. Uh, t- 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 let's talk about bonus damage. So I made a list here of things. A lot of these are specific to year one. I did include some year two things. Uh, but hey, are you playing in the Crucible? Are you a Striker Titan? Do you run shoulder charge? Do you also like to jump? Okay, I've got a list for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Things Peregrine Greaves can kill in one hit. Max Armor Warlock wearing the Ram. <clears throat> uh, Warlock wearing the Ram plus Flame Shield. A Max Armor Titan plus Force Barrier. The Revive Bonus Shield. A Max Armor Hunter while they're an Arc Blade. <laughs> A Radiant Skin Warlock wearing the Ram. Ward of Dawn, Blessing of Light plus Illuminated. Ward of Dawn, Blessing of Light plus Illuminated plus Force Barrier. <laughs> Jeez. Word of Dawn, Armor of Light, by itself. Uh, Hunter with Arcblade in a Blessings of Light bubble with the Illuminated bonus on. Uh, Hammer of Soul and Storm Trance will all get crushed by Peregrine Greaves uh, in one hit. Here's what they can't kill. A Radiant Skin Warlock with their Flame Shield up. Uh, Armor of Light plus Force Barrier. A Warlock wearing the Ram in an Armor of Light Ward of Dawn. Uh, A Warlock with Radiant Skin in a Blessings of Light bubble with the Illuminated bonus. A Hunter in Arcblade in an Armor of Light Ward of Dawn. Uh, (laughs) Warlock with Radiant Skin Radiance in an Armor of Light Ward of Dawn. Uh, Or overlapping Ward of Dawns when one is Armor and one is Blessing. Uh, The short story there really is is that Armor of Light plus anything else can tank these. Armor of Light is the big barrier to peregrine greaves uh and then radiant skin and flame shield stacked for everyone else you're gonna have a bad time (laughs) uh and i love it man there have been so many times in the crucible where i have had a blade dancer coming at me and i've been wearing peregrine greaves and you just smashed them right out of the sky it's so awesome (laughs) Uh, or charging into a titan's bubble or yeah these are mean there's not a lot that can stop these uh you know, or a point-blank shotgun will still do it. But uh, <clears throat> As mentioned, although they're extremely niche, uh, they affect an animation variation during a subclass-specific perk. Uh, Peregrine Greaves are highly renowned for their hero-moment ability, elevating a visceral, powerful attack into a potential one-hit KO for a huge number of enemies and guardians in the Crucible. These became super popular... Uh, during Arcburn Nightfalls, that also had Brawler or Airborne. Uh, and you can still get that in Heroic Strikes now. And it allows strikers to deliver over 32,000 non critical damage in a single hit. Uh, if by some chance Brawler, Airborne, and Arcburn were all active, uh, theoretically a striker could deliver 67,346 damage in one knee of justice (laughs) Uh, except if you're fighting the fallen walker in the shadow thief strike uh, which is one of the most famous peregrine griefs targets in the game there's a weird calculation and damage for some reason against that little tiny arc gun on its turret Uh, and there are screenshots of people hitting almost a million damage in one knee strike against that thing Uh, When I was looking for the damage calculations, I found a discussion of a guy who had screenshots that were 849,768 damage.
1: What? (laughs) Yeah,
2: in one knee strike. Uh, Although it's worth noting that if you do actually, I've done this, uh, everybody on my crew has done this. If you do knee strike that turret with Peregrine Greaves or anything, it will explode into arc damage and kill you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so it's worth it. It is, yeah. Take it for the team.
2: It's like the most amazing hero moment. If you've ever played that strike, you just run right off the balcony, charge the tank straight on, jump in the air, and then it's like two nuclear bombs colliding. It's amazing. But yeah, the tank going down in one hit. I call it Knee of Justice all the time, or Knee of Great Justice, which is a reference to Captain Falcon. Who shares a similar name uh, along with Peregrine Grease? Uh, and that that knee is super famous in Smash Brothers uh, for all you Smash fans out there. Oh, yeah. From, I wish Peregrine Grease made the KO noise from Smash Brothers. <laughs> that would, <laughs> would be, awesome. be perfect. <laughs> uh, now I just want to go make a montage, though, where I do that. Anybody out there, please make me a Smash Brothers Peregrine Grease montage. That would be great. <laughs> if you're not paying attention or you're on the receiving end too quickly, uh, you will not notice that peregrine greens will light up. They have sort of illuminescent kneecaps and ankle caps. So when your shoulder charge or knee strike is primed, like you're at speed, they will light up and glow blue as the default. And when you jump or perform a knee strike, these enormous blades will come out of them. <laughs> Uh, They're awesome. looking They're holographic blades. They connect from ankle to knee and then extend up almost the entire thigh. They're just like huge blue blades that come out of the knees. They're awesome. Uh, If you're a striker, you can see them by wearing them and shoulder charging in in the air and looking straight down. You can see the blades come out. Uh, And if you're running around in the tower, you can see them just light up. You won't see the blades, so I don't think they extend in the tower.
3: No, it's just jumping and running, I think, in the tower, does it? Yeah.
2: So, they're awesome. It's a cool little thing that it's easy to miss, but it's a really cool effect.
3: Yeah, I've been wearing them for a while. I didn't even know they had the blades. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: They take shaders really well now, too, a pair of green griefs. Uh, Because I wear dead orbit, shaders are always black with the blue kneecaps. They look really cool. Uh, The default is white and gold. Uh, and then one of the gnome bugs after the 2.1.0 update was that Peregrine Greaves did not appear in the exotic armor kiosk, which is a sad face. So, but those are Peregrine- I mean, just, just go to YouTube and type in Peregrine Greaves. There are so many amazing montages of Titans just smashing people into nothingness with these. It's so hilarious. Uh, but you'll see, like, Sunbreakers will pop their hammers and then immediately get killed. Or a Stormcaller will use Storm Trance and then immediately get killed. <laughs> or Arcblade will get popped and then immediately shut down. Uh, defenders getting smashed out of their bubbles. It's just its an all-around good time if you're a Striker Titan. So, and interestingly, the so this is the two pair of boots that are available in the game for Titans. Both of them are Striker-specific. So there's no Defender boots and no uh, Sunbro boots yet.
3: I guess it kind of makes sense because, I mean, uh, to to a a degree, the the Striker focuses on like fists and punching, but uh, out of the three Titan uh, subclasses, it's the most focused on running and jumping. So it kind of makes sense for the boots to be more focused on them.
2: Like we talked about last episode, the Ward of Dawn hamster wheel. That could totally be
1: Defender Exotic Boots. That would be a great, a great boot perk,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. Uh, and then we have one more pair of boots to talk about that are not available in the game. Those are the Dune Marchers. So these never made it uh, much like every exotic pair of boots for Warlocks. <clears throat> Dune Marchers flavor text reads whether on solid rock or a shifting sand dune the inexorable sand eaters never slow their pace the perk is speed demon increased sprint speed extended slide distance increased movement speed while aiming your weapon and tighter turn radius while sprinting
1: alright I'm immediately glad these never made it into the game (laughs) That sounds terrifying to give to
2: a striker. <laughs> so the sprint speed and slide distance is a Blade Dancer perk. Increased Movement while Aiming is the Radiant Dance Machines perk, and the tighter mm-hmm. turn radius appears on the Mark 44s, and when you're playing in right. third person. But these are all just mashed into one pair of boots. Uh, and it's kind of ridiculous, especially considering where they're coming from.
3: I can just see all the slide shotgunning happening. Oh, goodness.
2: Well, this would be crazy, too. Again, I feel like this would be more striker-specific than some of the other classes, but increased sprint speed... I mean, if these came out when taking king before the recent adjustments, increased sprint speed would have gotten you into shoulder charge prep faster. You can shoulder charge out of a slide, so being able to slide extra far and then immediately shoulder tackle out of it would have been ridiculous. (laughs) Uh and then your recovery with the increased movement speed while aiming your weapon, you it would be a shoulder charge shotgunning nightmare strikers would just be like the what's the dude from Overwatch, die, 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 Death Blossom.
3: Not to mention of the tie to turn radius like um Sandicides as well. So it's like all the things in one yeah. <laughs>
2: it's, <laughs> it's so awful. This would have made this, so this would've made uh shoulder charge unstoppable.
0: The guy at Bungie that made that was a Titan, And a couple Warlocks <laughs> and a Hunter came in. Like, uh, no, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's,
3: I'm not surprised we don't have it because it's looking at it. You're just like, wait, were you trying to break the game? <laughs> like, when you see those perks, you, I can just think of so many ways that would make Titans just so OP. It's wait, awesome. It, were they try? Were they trying to break Crucible? Well, that's the thing.
2: I feel like this happens. A lot, and we've even seen this recently in some of the adjustments that are made where the Crucible has its whole other set of challenges. So when the game gets balanced with both PvE and PvP in mind, uh, you look at a perk or an ability and go, wow, that's amazing in PvE, and then it's totally game-breaking in PvP. So I think somebody looked at these and said, wow, this would be awesome to just, like, I'm going to run around and be collecting materials on planets and generally just, like, doing outdoor activities on my Titan. And then somebody (laughs) took them into the Crucible and ran everybody over. (laughs) And they said, maybe we shouldn't have had these. So the perk symbol is the symbol. It is not the Sand Eater's Legion symbol. Uh, It is actually the symbol for the entire Soul System Cabal detachment. Uh, You can see it on this side of Cabal dropships, and if you open up the the grimoire, this is the symbol for the uh, Cabal-related cards. Although it is missing, there's writing on the left and right sides of it Uh, when you see it big or on the grimoire. To me also it kind of looks like the glass throne, but that's me. <laughs> uh, these were a beefy looking pair of boots. Uh, they appeared in the armory uh, in the colors of white and green, which are the colors of the Sand Eater Legion. Uh, some quick backstory on the Sand Eaters. Quote, "The sooner we're extinguished, the sooner they can go home," Commander Zavala. The grimoire reads, The Cabal Formation, first and most frequently encountered by Guardians, the Sand Eaters, represent the numerical bulk of the Cabal's presence on Mars. Their equipment, tactics, and morale all show the weight of a long deployment, but they continue to pursue their objectives with dogged, weary determination. So, these basically seem like, hey, we killed some Cabal and took their boots. It sort of implies maybe reclaimed cabal armor and you mm. have a note here Sherb about
3: yeah I was just saying well if if they look like reclaimed cabal armor that's like the thagomizers as well which belonged to that big guy his name escapes me the, the primus guy and um tra- so that's like tra- two pieces me. yeah that's the one that's like two pieces now of reclaimed cabal gear that we don't get to wear in the game <laughs> like directly taken from cabal
2: And it's funny too, right? Because Cabal are not necessarily known for their fast sprinting speed. Uh, You know, increased weapon movement.
0: uh, Because we stole their boots. We stole all of their boots? I guess, yeah. Their boot technology is ours. Their boot tech. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll see some of that stuff come back around if they ever uh, throw in some, like a Cabal. DLC. And we'll start getting some Cabal gear.
2: Well, that's also something. This this buffs up against something that we have not done an episode on, and that's the Cabal. Uh, Kex, I know we promised to have you back for that one. Kex is a big Cabal fan. Uh, but we, ha- we have plans for a Cabal episode. We'll talk about the Sand Eaters and the other legions that appear all over the soul system. Because, yeah, I mean, there's a good chance that we're going to get a Cabal themed expansion at some point. So it would make sense that the Dune Marchers appear uh, when they do. Or who knows? There's a whole new area on Mars that I broke into in the past couple days, which is like the Cabal's home turf, so maybe we'll find them in there. And that is Dune Marchers. It's so funny how the Dune Marchers, you read the description, and you're like, wow, that is a really broken piece of armor. And it was the same with the Thagomizers. Where it was like, wow, that is a really broken piece of armor. It would make strikers off the charts. It makes me wonder if, if exotics are balanced off strikers first <laughs> and then everybody else. But that's all the boots for Titans, so let's move to helmets, and then this last exotic we'll cover at the very end. <laughs> I like that that's the very last thing. I mentioned it in a previous episode, but didn't. Didn't talk about it at length. Good. Alright, helmets first. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. seven. Titans got a lot of helmets. That's a lot of helmets. Mm-hmm. Just to make up for the weak body armor options. <laughs> and two boots. I mean, I guess, other than armamentarium. Yeah, but, well, we say that. Oh, and no. Garrison and Armamentarium are both fantastic, so... I guess t- Titans are lacking in gloves? Yeah. Kind of? Kind of.
1: Yeah. They have some alright gloves. They do. They didn't get Thagomizers, though.
2: Yeah, all the Titan exotics are great. Let's talk about more great Titan exotics. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I think
2: we've determined in the coverage of these, these armor pieces that... That warlock's really got the short end of the stick here. Even if you're only counting the exotics they didn't get and how good <laughs> they were, for as good as Thagomizers and these Dune Marchers would have been, there are no astrocyte-verse or transverse steps. So. <sighs> soon. We'll, we'll get them soon. <laughs> Hopefully. I, I, if I could just transmog my my warlock helmet into astrocyte, I'd be happy. I don't even care about the perks, just give me the looks. <laughs> you it's just want space such space. a good looking helmet.
1: Because
2: <laughs> then my I'd have Helm of Inmost Light on my Titan, which looks awesome. I would have Graviton Forfeit, which is the best looking exotic in the game on my Hunter. And then I would have Sweet Astrocyte Verse on my warlock be a game about the best hats (laughs) all right helmets the first one an insurmountable skull fort flavor text reads brain vault Sigma actium 9 cranial dreadnought invincible type the exotic perk in year one is called improved transfusion Kills with Stormfist immediately trigger health regeneration, you auto-respawn with full melee energy. In Year 1, it Carried Impact Induction, which was melee's uh, reduced grenade cooldown, and Infusion, which is replenish health when you pick up an Orb of Light. In Year 2, same name, Improved Transfusion, kills with Stormfist immediately trigger health regeneration, respawn with full melee energy, but also gain a second melee charge. In year two, it rolls with hands-on, which is just super energy from uh, melee kills, and it will—they will always roll with strength, which makes sense. Uh, the perk symbol is the fist from Storm Fist with a hexagonal background, from the Juggernaut perk. Uh, so let's talk about the name and the flavor text. Then we'll talk about what these perks do and why it's a little bit unique for this helmet. So I mean, insurmountable not a difficult word here. Something that is too difficult or too great to overcome. Uh, Skullfort is Castle Skull from He-Man. <laughs> so, with this helmet, you have the power. No. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, Skullfort's sort of like a made-up word here. I looked up Skullfort 900 pages of results just referencing this helmet. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's that difficult to break it into its two base words, skull and fort. <laughs> Which is a, <laughs> a a protective domicile for your skull, there you go, uh, same with
1: brain vault, yeah, they got them all here. they're only missing dome shield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish it
2: said that now <laughs> noggin base. Uh, Brain vault, uh, you're all smart enough to figure out what a brain vault is. I mean, it could be some crazy golden age tech, but um, I I doubt it. Sigma. Sigma is 18 in Greek, uh, but also in the brain there are things called sigma receptors. They're pretty currently poorly understood, but they're just neural receptors in your brain, so it would make sense to have sigma something in your brain vault.
1: Uh, your melon guard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and
2: your you're noggin safe. Uh, Alto Sigma is the main boss for Mega Man X. This helmet looks nothing like him, but he was a great boss. Uh, Actium, though, is a word with a lot of history behind it. Actium was the name of an ancient town on a promontory in western Greece and northwestern Arcania. No. Yeah, Arcania. At the mouth of the Amberson Gulf. Uh, Actium is chiefly famous as the name given to the nearby naval battle of Actium, in which Octavian won a decisive victory over Mark Antony on September 2nd, 31 BC. Uh, This was the decisive confrontation in the final war of the Roman Republic. Uh, Octavian would go on to become Princep and then later Augustus. Uh, So I think he's most commonly known as Augustus in Roman history but this was the the last big win. So this is a pretty steeped in history uh, word here. As to the nine, I mean nine shows up all the time in Destiny, and we shouldn't be surprised by it. Here it's in Roman numerals. Uh, so, maybe, I don't know, it's made out of strange coins, I don't know. <laughs> uh, or, yeah, something like that. Cranial Dreadnought. Uh,
1: oh, that's another good one.
2: Yeah, well that's what's right here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, Although worth noting that it is spelled differently from The Dreadnought, which is Oryx's ship. Uh, although they mean the same thing. They're alternate spellings of the same word. So I don't know if they're using the O-U-G-H-T here to to keep it separate rather than the A-U-G-H-T used to describe Oryx's ship, but they're the same thing. And it makes
1: me wish his helmet was shaped like a battleship. Should have gone with uh, coconut cover. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: I'll be here all night. Yeah,
2: please. I can't. I can't wait till this episode airs, and then people just start tweeting these at us. (laughs) Yeah, tweet tweet as many as you can. Give us your give us your best brain vault (laughs) parody.
3: Skull Fort Brain Vault Cranial Dreadnought, dreadnought.
2: Bring him on <laughs> Noggin Shield Whatever, that, whatever we're calling them. Uh, the perk Although the perk doesn't say it in the text It says it in the name Improved Transfusion This is essentially the Striker perk Transfusion uh, Which restores your health On a successful melee hit uh, It allows So this will give you that perk And it allows Strikers to select another perk From the tree such as Aftershocks or Headstrong. So, this is the, it's like the Striker version of Cauterize. I always run Transfusion for the most part. Uh, Very rarely I'll run Aftershocks for Lightning Grenades, double Lightning Grenades, uh, and Aftermath on Fist of Havoc, because you get that sort of one extra burst, or one extra pulse of arc energy that people never are ready for. And I believe that the headstrong perk enables max armor for striker types. Uh, although this helmet, despite all this, is probably the most well-known for the Daft Punk design. <laughs> this <laughs> this is the helmet with the dots on it that change all the time. Uh, I don't know if it's animated on last gen. It definitely is on next gen.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it is. It is up all night to have fun. Sweet.
2: Uh, Skullport has always
1: had a reputation
2: for playing nice with shaders. Is that true? I? Uh, oh, yes. I don't know. Though for a while, owned female characters. So in year one, this helmet did not take shaders, as a lot of exotics did not, uh, and even into year two. But if you were a female Titan, it would change color. Uh, it played nice with shaders only for female Titans. Kind of similar to how the colors on Mask of the Third Man change, based on character gender. So it's a nice little perk there. Uh, Much like normal transfusion, improved transfusion will proc on shoulder charge, even if the actual melee hit itself is not currently ready. Uh, So this doesn't affect the helmet too much, because shoulder charge is awesome like that. Shoulder Charge counts as an arc melee kill, even if your melee is not charged, so it always procs Transfusion, which is awesome. The second melee charge doesn't really help Shoulder Charge at all. It's not like you can strike twice in a row, because if you could, that would be amazing. (laughs) If you could just ping-pong between people with your Shoulder Charge. Uh, Oh, the respawn full melee energy, again, doesn't affect uh, Shoulder Charge. But with this helmet, you cannot have Transfusion in your perk tree and still get the benefit of Transfusion on your shoulder charge. Uh, Although seemingly a striker specific helmet, the Sunbreaker perk Stoke the Forge will recharge both of Skullfort's melee charges, which gives Sunbreakers some pretty hefty options when using it. Um, I know that occasionally at once they changed up melting point uh, some Sunbreakers would run Skullfort at Golgoroth so they can get two quick punches in and keep uh, Melting Point up full time. Uh, if only a Melting Point stacked with Tether. I know. But yeah, so Melting Point plus Skull Fort plus Monte Carlo, pretty mean combination. Yeah. Uh, for dealing heavy damage to bosses that you can get in close to. Yeah, melting point is a mean oof. You you it's one of those those things in the game where you absolutely notice the difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially against somebody like Golgoroth where you're like, oh yeah, we, we knocked down, you know, two thirds of his health on the first pass, and then with melting points, like, yeah, he has a sliver of health, and we could probably kill him with <laughs> grenades without having to cycle him in the second time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, love that perk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is Skullfort. Uh speaking of helmets that take shaders well. Or not. Uh, the Glass House is next. <laughs> so. Everything is luminous. Which I would imagine to be looking through this helmet. Year 1, bathed in light. Blessings of light and weapons of light last longer. And that's a static increase from 10 seconds to 15 Year 1 had Rain Blows, which is melee attack speed, and Quintessence Transfer, which is super energy when you kill killing with a grenade. Uh, in Year 2, same name, same thing, bathed in light, weapons and uh, blessings last longer. In Year 2, Glass House will always roll with Intellect. Uh, the perk symbol is the symbol for light augmented with a circle and additional points at the diagonals. This is a super situational helmet. I, I rarely ever see people wearing the glass house. I think it's mostly used at War Priest for the, the damage cycle, and that's about it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Don't see it very often. I mean, maybe at Oryx, if you're running the double titan center strategy. Yeah. Uh, although, now that poor touch of malice strips blessings of light away. I think that's going to become less and less of a strategy that's used.
1: Well, so okay, so I we I did this about two hours ago, and and we had zero problem killing ogres. Uh, one of the guys ran a sniper, and the other ran sleeper simulant. Nice, and they still did the two bubbles in the middle, and and. It, the, it was a bigger change that my sniper rifle didn't one-shot the Light Eater Knight across from me than it was for the guys in the middle. They were just using different guns. The ogres still die really fast. Oh, that's right. The uh, thousand-yard stare. It's sliversome. It's like when we get to... It's it, Like, if you get one that's going to be like 340 or 345, once we can infuse stuff up higher, we're going to go right back to one-shotting them if we ever run kings fall again. But yeah, it like it my 1000 yard just slivers Oof. a night. Someone on Twitter had a 1000 yard with will of light that still one-shots them. Oh I nice. Think. Oh, well that was one-shotting the taken knights yeah. I guess off the tops of the pillars not the light Eater knights. But anyway. Yeah, so the the max so now it's just
2: we two exotic snipers we've talked about in the best uh, black spindle and What's dynamite with a laser
1: beam? Zen Meteor. Zen
2: Meteor uh, are the two high impact snipers that can still take out.
1: Although I believe Still Piercer. Still Piercer, if you use one of the impact increasing um, perks. Um, yeah, the muzzle options, I guess. Interesting. It has three options, and two of them will allow you to one shot those knights. Nice. Looks
2: like I'm going to be running Still Piercer more often. Oh, that must affect the uh, the LDR it definitely affected the longbow mm-hmm. so I use, a, use mm-hmm. a longbow on my Titan uh, that's unfortunate but I mean it was mostly done for to stop people from sniping out
1: supers in the Crucible yeah and I mean when we were all 320 you couldn't one shot those knights anyway so sure. it's, it's just kind of how it, that encounter is really meant to be played anyway yeah. so it's fine
2: and that's what we were mentioning I was talking with my team about it I was talking with Night Fork, and I was like, "Yeah, uh, touch of malice now strips blessings of light." He's like, "Oh well, I mean that kind of sucks, but you only ever use it in two places anyway." And yeah, uh, and Sleeper does the same. He loves Sleeper Simulant anyway. So, and like I said, well, it, it's, yeah. once once we're three forty, three fifty, three eighty yeah. light, it's going to be such a joke anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: We're gonna be killing them with throwing knives. Oh wait, those (laughs) got nerfed. Maybe not. (laughs) you'll need two.
1: (laughs) There's a perk for that.
2: Uh, All right, Uh, the glass house originally wasn't brought forward into year two with the release of the Taken King. It was added later in the 2.2.0 Taken Spring uh, update. Uh, When it was finally brought forward, it became an example of how shaders affected exotics. Uh, Considering that nothing matched the glass house in year one. (laughs) Nothing. Uh, But now in year two, it looks awesome with certain shaders. Uh, As I mentioned, I wear Dead Orbit shaders pretty much all the time, and this thing looks... Sometimes I will wear the glass house... Uh, just because it looks cool, like with an all-black armor set, it's a really good-looking piece of armor with with certain shaders. Uh, as for the name, there's a ton of stuff. I pulled, and again, this is Glasshouse one word, not Glasshouse two words. So there's a, a pretty stark distinction that's made uh, when you're researching some of this stuff. The oldest reference I could find uh, was to a military prison, a British military prison called the Glass House. Uh, The first military prisons were established in 1844. The term Glass House originated at the military prison in Aldershot, which had a glazed over roof. Over time, uh, it came to be applied to all British Army prisons. So... That's where Glasshouse sort of not comes from, historically, uh, but uh, is the historical reference for it. There's also a science fiction novel by Charles Strauss uh, called The Glass House, or I think maybe just Glasshouse. <clears throat> Set in the 27th century aboard a spacecraft adrift in interstellar, st- interstellar space, Robin, the protagonist, has recently had his memory erased. Uh, He agrees to take part in an experiment during which he is placed inside a model of a late 20th, early 21st century Euro-American society. Robin is given a new identity and body. Uh, Major themes in the novel are identity, gender determinism, self-image, and conformity. Uh, He is placed in the body of a woman named Reeve. I thought that was interesting because The Guardian is like a 27th century character potentially adrift in space we have no Mm -hmm. memories yet we are controlled by late 20th 21st century (laughs) Euro-American people or some of us anyway (laughs) (laughs) but when I was reading through the synopsis and a little bit of the book it very much reminds me of things that exos go through and there's some other language that's used here Robin, a human male, is recovering from a memory excision process in a rehab center. He remembers nothing of his past life, though he suspects that he lived through a traumatic time as a participant in a series of wars that raged many years before. He agrees to sign up with a radical, isolated social experiment that will attempt to recreate the forgotten Dark Ages of the late 20th and early 21st centuries. So there's definitely thematic similarities there between this novel, uh, that carries the name The Glass House, and possibly the plight of either Guardians, or more specifically Exos, uh, who remember nothing of their past, but were soldiers that raged in some pretty heavy-duty wars. Uh, other fun stuff's in here. The Glass House Project, which is a terrarium lamp project by a Czech designer named Christia Pej Pochevra? Pochevora? Pojevora. Sorry about mangling your name. <laughs> Christina. Uh it's called Glasshouse. They're pretty cool. They're terrariums with lamps inside them. Uh, it's a pretty famous hotel in Edinburgh. Uh, not that I think that has anything to do with Oh, I included this here because I figured people would have where did that just go? Oh. Uh, would appreciate the fact that this particular hotel... Where'd it go? Uh, Hotel's 77 bedrooms, of which 20 are suites, all named after spe- specific brands of whiskey. Nice. There you go. <laughs> <clears throat> then the last reference I have is the 1975 R&B single called Glasshouse, House, all one word, by The Temptations. Uh, but it was written by uh, James Carmichael, Ronald Miller, and Kathy Wakefield, who are collectively known as Charlemagne.
1: Bum, bum, bum. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so my hope is that this song is always playing inside the glasshouse.
1: <laughs> or maybe if Charlemagne exists in the game, much like when we get near Rasputin's bunker and we get to hear his music, we get to just hear this song. That would be so awesome. <laughs>
2: It's like Rasputin has like these weird Russian news broadcasts and classical music, and Charlemagne has <laughs> Motown. I'll take it. I
1: will take <laughs> it. That would be awesome.
2: Uh, all right, and that's the Glass House. Uh, again, I do not see it very often. It's super situational these days. You know, five seconds added to blessings or weapons, not really make or break like it's a convenient thing to have but it's not gonna you're not gonna change the outcome of a of an encounter because you got five extra seconds of blessings of light
1: yeah it's weird because you've got exotics like this that okay that's kind of cool that it does that and then you have other exotics that just like introduce entirely new playstyles.
2: yeah exactly
1: it's like where's the <laughs> yeah this thing would be nuts
2: if it unlocked
1: the blessings of light
2: perk and allowed you to run blessings and weapons of light at the same time <laughs> Wow that would be a glass house uh, that, would, yeah. that would be awesome That and that would make it tough again I defender like defender has to make tough decisions sometimes uh, and this would make that decision even more difficult and I, I like that I like having to look at my exotics and go man what what do I really want to accomplish unless it's graviton? And then the accomplishment is looking fly as hell and being awesome. <laughs> uh, all right. Speaking of looking fly as hell, Helm of Inmost Light. This what makes
1: you look like a light demon.
2: <laughs> this is, I think, one of the best-looking helmets in the game. Probably number two best-looking helmet in the game behind Graviton. The light shines brightest in those it consumes. Year 1, perk was Recklessness, provides Death from Above and Headstrong for Fist of Havoc. And it ran with Invigoration and Rain Blows. In Year 2, same perk, Recklessness, provides Death from Above and Headstrong for Fist of Havoc, and it will always roll Intellect in Year 2. The perk symbol is a slight variation on the Death from Above perk symbol, with the bottom being angled instead of flat. yeah, I love this thing. This is the I, I've got I've got arc energy horns smashing through the top of my helmet. <laughs> uh, it takes shaders really well now, and it looks really cool in black. Uh, so go get some dead orbit shaders. If you can't If you can't tell by now, I would love me some dead orbit shaders. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just wear the old guard.
2: I love the old guard, but it gives you that weird tiger stripe camo and on some things that I just isn't. This doesn't do it for me. And it looks terrible yeah. with aspirinet on hunters because it makes your your bib white with tiger stripes on it.
1: Uh, doesn't Revenant have like a dumb pattern on it too? Revenant has black black on gray camo. Okay.
2: Yeah, I've been wearing bitter steel a lot lately. Uh Helm yeah, helm of the inmost light. So when I when I was researching this I didn't have to research far because what I don't know that this is the reference particularly that they're making but I'm, I listed this one first because it's the mo- it's really relevant to me we'll, with the second entry here in the notes we'll find out where even this deeper where this reference comes from which is probably the real reference here uh, so for me the first reference is current 93 which is an amazing, they were a highly influential experimental band. Uh, Genesis Borage was part of them for a while. Uh, But they produced a trio of albums called the Inmost Light Trilogy, uh, the second of which contains the track The Inmost Light. That's All the Pretty Little Horses. Uh, All the Pretty Little Horses contains several songs based on repeating melodic themes. Lyrically, the album revolves around the ideas of pain and death, specifically as reflected in Man, I practiced this word, uh, Patra. Patra pa- Yeah, I maybe. Yeah, there you go, Patra, Passanist.
3: Passionist. P a
2: s s i n. <laughs> Sounds like I don't know. Philosophy. I a n. Yeah, uh, along with the overarching concept of the inmost light or the soul. Here's a fun bit. I first started listening to Current 93 because I'm a huge Coil fan. They're probably my favorite band of all time. Uh, John Balance, who was a member of Coil, uh, was also a part of Nurse With Wound, uh, which was Stephen Stapleton's group. And Stephen Stapleton has been on every uh, Current 93 album. So there's a link there. They're all pretty... F- I get famous is the wrong word, but they're highly, highly influential sort of experimental ambient weird music bands Coil of which is my favorite uh, They also have a track called "The A Dream of the Inmost Light on the Foxtrot compilation which is one of my favorite compilations which is all just Coil Nurse with Wound, Current 93 stuff like that uh, As for that fun word that I could not pronounce that sure saved me on uh, <laughs> Passanism. In Christian theology, Patroposainism uh, uh, Or Sabellianism, In the Eastern Church uh, Is the non-Trinitarian Or anti-Trinitarian belief That God God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit Are three different modes or aspects Of one uh, monadic God As perceived by the believer Rather than three distinct Personas within the Godhead but there are no real or substantial differences between the three, uh, such that there are no substantial I- identity for the Spirit or the Son. So, it's basically folks who don't don't buy into the Holy Trinity thing. Uh, to which I made a note, the Traveler, the Guardian, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> They're all the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Doesn't matter if you're in the all receiving end of death from above.
3: All agents of the light. Correct. Yeah, there you go. So, but I
2: like. I mean, I like it anyway. As for where all this inmost light stuff. Oh, would I have it here? Oh yeah. So the inmost light trilogy is where the long shadows fall, all the pretty horses, and the stars are marching sadly home. Uh, but all this is influenced from something much, much, much earlier. Uh, and that is from Arthur Mackin, who was an author. I like that he's an author, and his name is Arthur. Uh, Current 93 drew all of this influence from renowned mystic and fantasy horror author, Arthur Mackin, uh, who is the more likely reference for the name and the flavor text of this helm. He wrote a short story called The Inmost Light in 1894, Uh, about a scientist who imprisons his wife's soul in a shining jewel, letting something else into her unattended body, uh, but then the jewel is later stolen. If you want to read The Inmost Light, uh, it's only about 17 pages. It's in the public domain. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. In 1895, The Inmost Light was published alongside one of Machin's most popular novellas, The Great God Pan, which was, hilariously, a version of that story was published in 1890 in a magazine called The Whirlwind, (laughs) uh, which is the fallen version of The Collapse. And Machin revised it and extended it for book publication along with The Inmost Light uh, in 1894. On um, publication, it was widely denounced by the press as a degenerate and horrific because of its decadent style and sexual content, although it has since garnered a reputation as a classic of horror. Uh, Mockin is now considered to be one of the most influential horror writers sort of uh, of all time. He influenced uh, H.P. Lovecraft, Stephen King, Alan Moore, like, he was, his work was really influential in Lovecraft. Uh, he wrote some really weird, bizarre stuff, but <clears throat> a lot of it focused around both this inmost light uh, and this book, The Great God Pan. So there's some other interesting sort of daisy-chain references here where The Great God Pan is referenced very heavily in the 2002 book, The Moth Diaries, Uh, And it also inspired Peter Straub's novel Ghost Story. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, The Great Cod Pan was highly influential in the circle of writers around H.P. Lovecraft. The story's depiction of a monstrous, half-human hybrid inspired the plot of Lovecraft's The Dunwich Horror, uh, which refers to uh, Machen's story by name. Uh, The Dunwich story... The Dunwich Horror is in every sense an homage to Machen, uh, and even uh, a pastiche. There is little in Lovecraft's wonderful story that does not directly come out of Machen's fiction. Uh, as somebody who grew up in New England, I'm very familiar with H.P. Lovecraft and things like the Dunwich Horror, because basically the town my dad lives in right now. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> when I visit him, that's what I'm going back to. I can't ever think of the Dunwich Horror without also thinking about Fallout 3 because there's that entire weird old building. What's, I forget what it's called, though.
1: Um, In
2: oh Fallout my 3, gosh. man, it was so creepy.
1: And I know what you're talking about. Um, that's going to bother me. That's okay. I'm going to look it up right now. Excellent. Oh,
2: it's called the Dunwich <laughs> Building. Look at that. Okay, good. Uh,. Yeah, I love this when I found this. Yeah, the Dunwich Building is a ruined office building in the capital wasteland located at the southwesternmost point on the map. Awesome. Yeah, it's such a. And the, the name of the god that lives inside it is Ugqual Toth. <laughs> love it. Uh. So yeah, uh, if you've never read Machin, pick some of his work up. Like I said, I'll link to The Inmost Light, the book, in the show notes, so you can give it a quick read. Uh, Bizarre bizarre work, but I love that style of of horror. So from that, we get this sense that The Inmost Light is quite often a reference to the soul. Uh, And this showed up again in the uh, Upanishads. And I, I know that word because when I was researching this, I had uh, somebody who was like, oh, the Upanishads, what are you, what are you researching? And I'm like, uh, a Destiny Titan helmet? And they're like, do you know what the Upanishads are? I'm like, I have an idea. Well, let me tell you about them. Turns out there's like 200 books in the Upanishads. Uh, the Upanishads are a collection of texts that contain some of the central philosophical concepts of Hinduism, some of which are shared by Buddhism and Jainism the Upanishads are considered uh, to contain utterances concerning the nature of ultimate reality and describing the character of and path to human salvation. Uh, In the Upanishads, it is written, quote, The self is self-luminous, elemental lights are not. Self is the person consisting of intellect, present among the senses, abiding in the heart as the inmost light. Given the amount of Hindu and Buddhist references we have already in Destiny, this is also a really strong contender, uh, especially mm-hmm. these lines right here, uh, especially considering sort of the the nature of guardians, with self-being, self-luminous, uh, sort of ignited by the light, uh, and a person consisting of intellect. Now I'm never going to forget that <laughs> INT stands for intellect. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, which is well that's what you need to do is use your super there
2: you go which is a way of saying consciousness in the upanishads so. as for the flavor text of this particular piece i think everybody reads this the light shines bright and those it consumes it it sounds so commonplace like it's all like it's something we've all heard before like it's not it's not profound but finding those words don't is, was nearly impossible, not related to this particular helmet, probably just because it's a variation on a theme. Uh, the first one that come, came to my mind was the Lao Tzu quote, the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long, which is from the Tao Te Ching. And then, because I was digging super deep, <laughs> here's a fun, weird bit of trivia. If you go to the Wayback Machine and you look up the old <laughs> Something Awful forums... There's a user named Schizotech. And the quote under his avatar was, The light shines brightest in those it consumes. There were posts there dating back prior to 2011. Uh, But there's no way to tell via the Wayback Machine if it's always been that because it pulls the sort of like dynamic. So they could have changed it, you know, four days ago. And then you go look at the. The forum posts and it's that because that's what's in their database so it could have been changed recently but if it wasn't does this quote come from this guy Schizotech, and does he work at Bungie now <laughs> uh, a lot of his posts were video game related so who knows uh, Schizotech, if you work at Bungie and you hear this can you please confirm that you created this phrase and then slapped it on this helmet because that would be awesome But that's Helm of Inmost Light. Uh, Sherb, I think it was you who was talking about getting used to death from above.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I like it, though, now. Get, got used to it pretty quick. Um, I think I got... I don't think I have the helmet. Maybe. I, oh, no, I probably do have the helmet. I just don't wear it. Because why would I wear the helmet if I've got the Peregrine Greaves
1: on? That's true.
3: But I do have Death from Above, I think, as my as my perk. It's it's lots of fun. Nice.
1: I killed myself with it a bunch. With Inmost Light? With uh Or Death from, death above. from above. Yeah.
3: How do you do that?
1: Uh Fist of Havoc horribly off a cliff. <laughs> By miscalculating <laughs>
3: that, that would look so funny.
1: <laughs> miscalculating
2: your vault of glass jump. <laughs> Haven't done that one yet. It's awesome. You can't you have to go up. The alternate path in the back, don't use yeah. the, the platforms. And if okay. you get up as high as you can on that alternate path in the back, you can get, if you jump, shoulder charge out into the middle of the pit and then quickly use death from above, you'll land right on the platform in front of the uh, the glass throne entrance. Nice. Yeah, it's awesome. And it looks really, for anybody watching it, it looks cool too because you see this like crazy lightning bolt from the sky... And then the Titan, like, explodes in light, and then just comes flying in, like, a missile. It's And it does a superhero landing. Uh, I wear this all the time when I'm just out on patrols and screwing around on Striker. Just because I love having Death from Above and Shockwave. Uh, just Sorry, I can't tell if somebody just knocked on my door. My dog is being weird. I'm going to go investigate. I'll be right back.
1: <laughs> What's going on, buddy? Hi. It's probably just the dog.
3: Yeah, it sounds like the dog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes dogs know things, though. Unless he <laughs> talks to random people like that. Oh going, crap! X-rays buddy? back. I'm here. i has been listening.
1: <laughs> Speaking of dogs, I watched um, that HBO show. What's it called? The Leftovers. Oh, yeah. I watched the first episode of that earlier uh-huh. today. And when this is spoilers for like the first five minutes of that episode, so whatever. When that dude rolls up and just shoots that uh-huh. dog, I almost turned it off. Because that dog looks that was a is a healer. It looked just like my old dog. Oh. I was like, You bastard. It's just a, my dog. I kept watching it.
0: Just my dog. It's a good show. I like that show.
1: What show we Yeah, what, I'll, what show I'll, is this? I'll keep watching. It. No, uh The like Leftovers. How? You're talking about your dog, and so then I was talking about how I watched episode one of that today, and five minutes in, a a guy just rolls up in his car and just shoots a dog. What? And I almost turned it off, because it looked just like my old dog. That's horrible. It was really horrible. Later on, they show that it might not have been that horrible, but... It's still horrible. It's pretty horrible.
2: My dog's name is...
4: Well,
2: she's a rescue, and when... She was found. She responds to the word "sugar" as her name, but then I decided to change it to "sugar," like Anton Sugar from No Country for Old Men. <laughs> and now that's my fun secret. And I told Seth Dickinson that, and he thought it was really weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Seth, I remember, remember seeing that conversation
3: Whoa. actually.
2: Yeah, I think he used the word <laughs> "disturbing," but <laughs> 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 she's awesome. The, the he meant it as a compliment, I'm sure She's the, I think so. the mellowest, most chill dog Speaking of shows I mainline binged uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell on Netflix, mm. the BBC show Oh man, okay. it is so good It's only seven episodes long uh, but it's all about magic in England in the 1800s and It's fantastic
1: I'll check that out. I just finished uh, season three of Silicon Valley, so I'm looking for something else to watch. That was it's good. Do you watch Halting Catch Fire?
2: No, I don't know that one. Ooh, it's really good. It's about the rise of computers in the late '70s and the early '80s. Oh, cool. Which is one of my favorite periods of time.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway, none of this has to do with the light. Helden- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tangent. <laughs>
2: But that does have to do with my awesome dog, who's now hanging out right next to me right now. Alright. Uh, Where were we? I think
1: no, we were pretty good on that one. Yeah.
2: It? So that yeah, we were, ta- oh, okay. we we're talking about ridiculous things you can do with Death from Above.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: But pretty much ready to move on to the creepiest helmet on uh, all. Oh, this thing's the worst. <laughs> 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 course we mean the eternal warrior
3: yeah oh uh, yeah
1: which just the the face on it has freaked me out since <laughs> i don't know forever there's
0: i don't know i don't want to see it <laughs> absolute <laughs> unflinching resolve
3: uh, even that flavor, uh, text, flavor text it just makes it worse it's like unflinching unmoving face stone face absolute yeah. resolve it. and you're just like staring at it and it's staring at you and you <laughs> no I'm out I can't do this yeah. <laughs> every time I look at it in the inventory yes. it's like yeah, I'd, r- un- I'd rather see unflinching.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather see somebody wearing a ram or stag skull that's less creepy to me than this weird stone face it is. with a wolf
3: creepy on top stag with the wolf
1: ooh that's ooh that's a tough call <laughs> that was okay Hey, you should see if you can have the wolf head on and then Eternal Warrior. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Today's project. Uh, Yes, as Sherp calls it, looks creepy as hell.
2: Exotic perk year one, Resolute. Provides Unstoppable for Fist of Havoc. Uh, I mentioned also on Helm of Inmost Light, it has Headstrong. For non-Titans. Headstrong is the perk that increases the leaping distance when you're on the ground using Fist of Havoc. Uh, it also gives you plus one agility. Unstoppable, which is the perk this gives you, is that you are harder to kill using Fist of Havoc. It increases your armor by one. Similar to Skull of Dire, Ahamkara, and Nova Bomb. Uh It used to roll with Inverse Shadow and Infusion, uh, which are Pretty much the the killer perk set uh, for Year 1. Inverse Shadow gives you more super energy when killing Minions of the Darkness and Infusion replenishes your health when you pick up an Orb of Light. Made it sort of the go-to for Crota and stuff like that. Uh, Year 2, same thing. Uh, Gain Unstoppable for Fist of Havoc. In Year 2, it will always roll with Int, Intellect. Um, But other than that, it can roll any other perks and the perk symbol is unstoppable. Uh, I don't have a lot of notes here for this. Most because I just don't, didn't want to have to look at it. <laughs> uh, obviously, Eternal Warrior. We've actually talked about uh, Eternal Warrior before as referenced by a bunch of other different things. Uh, so it's not uncommon where that where it comes from, it's not like it's a a particularly special name.
1: Yeah, the comic book character, right?
2: Eh? Yeah, it was the comic book character. There's the series of novel we I think we believe we talked about Hawkmoon. We talked a lot about the Eternal Warrior series. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think of the video game Eternal Warriors, which was a hilarious and terrible Sega Genesis and Sega C D game. I was Eternal Champions. Eternal Champions. Meh. I still think of the same thing. <coughs> <laughs> uh, we mentioned before we talked about Ruin Wings that the wing symbol on the side of Eternal Warrior, that exact same wing model, is also found on, uh, on Ruin Wings. Uh, Eternal Warrior also bears a striking similarity to the Helm of Saint-14, which we haven't talked about yet. It has the mount for the Mohawk, but it does not have the Mohawk. Uh, And then the two top plates where the face appears on Eternal Warrior uh, are basically sort of cut in half uh, where there are full plates on Helm of Saint-14. So, I don't like, to think this is Saint-14's face under his helmet. <laughs> that would make me very sad. Also, Saint-14 was an Exo, and that's not yeah. an Exo face, but it's still <laughs> super creepy. But, I mean... So, I don't know. Eternal Warrior, very much like... That's literally what Guardians are, given their immortality. Uh, and, I don't know. this. This thing came and went. Like, this, I think... This yeah. helmet was data mined and people found it. We're like, oh man, look at this awesome thing. It's the Eternal Warrior. Oh, it's got a really subpar perk. And then you put it on and you're like, your head grows two sizes and you're like, this is hideous and I can't stare at its creepy face. And you never see it anymore.
1: People in your fire team always complain don't
2: wear that ugly thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if it takes shaders in year two.
3: It does. Oh, because I'm trying to view it in the armory with the wolf on. Oh no! And it was like navy blue (laughs) because of my shader. So I had to take the shader off because the background of Bungie is like navy blue, and you could barely see it. Nice. It looks. It doesn't. It's bigger than the wolf. It sort of sticks through its face. But the wolf has the little fan. Amazing. Coming out of his head.
2: Oh, amazing.
3: I'm oh, gonna screenshot this.
2: Also, super creepy is that I'm pretty sure the Eternal Warrior. Oh, it does change. It changes slightly when it's on a female model, but not totally.
3: So. I don't know. How does it
2: change? Uh, I don't know. the The male version has like a broad nose and a very scowly face. The female version just looks like a dude about to give somebody a kiss.
3: Very neutral <laughs> face.
2: Is it neutral? It looks weird. Well,
3: yeah. It's unflinching, absolute.
2: Ugh. Unflinching, absolute kissy face. I like that it has
1: built-in sunglasses, though. Kind of. <laughs> it does just pop down and provide lenses.
2: So, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say about Eternal Warrior. Not a lot of people wear it. Uh, it could have been a lot better. It, it's this, this really seems like they could have done more with this. Uh, like, even RAM-style perks would have made more sense for this thing. Yeah. Uh, so, and... It used to be, well, I guess it's worth mentioning that in year one, I'm pretty sure it was Unstoppable that let Titans reach max armor, but at year two, they could hit it without Unstoppable, which sort of made this helmet useless. Like, what's the point? Uh, so, I mean, I think it's it's widely hailed as a pretty, pretty garbage exotic.
1: So let's not spend any more time on it. <laughs> let's talk about a really awesome exotic. We have one, two, three
2: left. Yeah, let's talk about an awesome exotic. Or do, you want,
1: or do you want to do this one last? I mean, doesn't matter.
2: Hey, let's do it last. Here. We'll do we'll do the take a knot next.
1: Uh the take. because yeah, these like these leather two are they're gonna be real quick. Yeah. So, let's burn through. So, the Takenot. The helmet's worn by the
2: first Chinese lunar colonists of the Golden Age. This is a Year 2 only piece. Its perk is air traffic control. Uh, All rocket launchers gain tracking. Radar remains visible while zooming with heavy weapons, and heavy ammo drops increase when using a rocket launcher. It will always roll with heavy lifting uh, in Year 2. And I don't know if it has a specific... Stat roll, let's find out. The Takenot No can roll with any combination of intellect, discipline, or strength. Uh, It will just always roll heavy lifting. The perk symbol is the uh, first light lunar installation logo. Uh, And there was, this was glitchy when it was first introduced. I mean, this perk is pretty amazing. it was paired up quite often with Napalm. Dragon's Breath. Oof. (laughs) Should have had a cup of coffee before the episode tonight. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dragon's Breath and Takenot uh, are amazing together. Especially after the changes made to Dragon's Breath. But uh, when this first came out, it would remove the tracking from rocket launchers that already had tracking which was terrible because that also included you know, at the very beginning people still using
1: Gallerhorn, but more specifically, (laughs) using truth yeah, whoops Yes. yeah, I'm sure this is like oversimplifying, I just always kind of assumed that like tracking is like a toggle and the helmet was just set up to switch the toggle and it accidentally was switching it off on rocket launchers that had (laughs) tracking, like Oh, crap. Yeah, <laughs> This is another exotic that you do not see very often. Uh, but when you see it, it's also huge. Correct. Huge and yellow. And, yellow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think a lot of it, we talked about this when we talked about heavy weapons, the sort of fall of rocket launchers in year two and the rise of heavy machine guns. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why wear this and get more heavy ammo for rocket launchers when you could wear Ruin Wings and get more heavy weapons for heavy ammo for all your heavies and get more ammo per brick uh so in a niche sense this is like really cool although I guess it's worth noting that I guess the Taken Up perk is like 100% where Ruin Wings has that randomness element to it uh but still, the Takenot, not particularly popular, don't see it around a lot. Every once in a while I'll see somebody with it and be like, oh, that that's still a thing that's in the game. <laughs> but
3: I used to wear it as my main helmet on my Titan for a long time. Did you
2: pair it up with any particularly fun rocket launchers?
3: I don't think so. I, I wore it, I think I had a U1 version. Oh, no, not the U1 version. Oh, no, I had a U1 version of something else that I used. Um, and then I switched it over when I got to level 40 to the Tychonaut. I can't remember what I used that was U1. Maybe it was the Armamentarium. I think it was. And then I switched over to the Tychonaut and I had that... I don't think I had any fun rockets that I used it with. Nope. No fun <laughs> rockets. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just... I thought it was... Not that good looking, because it didn't shade and it was kind of just yellow.
1: Yeah.
3: I'm trying to remember if it matches the astronauts you find on the moon. It does
2: not. It
3: does not? No, okay. it, is a,
2: it is a different helmet. And I was on the moon yesterday and I took a random screenshot. If you zone into the anchor of light, bank a hard right, go right... Not anchor of light, archer's line. You bank a hard right where that patrol yeah, beacon is the and the far right where those old lunar vehicles are there's like a dude buried up to his chest on the moon this
3: dude's everywhere
2: yeah (laughs) and he's got almost a complete helmet on it's slightly cracked but it's a different helmet from the taken on
3: Uh, okay i wasn't sure about that one because it seems like it would be just because of the the symbol and and everything yes
1: the symbol and i mean go ahead ahead. i was just gonna say that like this you would think this would have been a really popular helmet because rocket launchers were so popular in year one. And this helmet was the only way to get a legendary rocket launcher with grenades and horseshoes and tracking. Correct. So it's like on paper, this seems like a really cool helmet. I mean, and everybody was so used to tracking with that. I mean, the two dominant
2: rocket launchers in year one, or three most dominant rocket launchers in year one, were, you know, Gallarhorn, obviously, and then Truth, and then uh, Hunger, Hunger of Crota. Of Crota. Yeah. So, but yeah ro- i mean rocket launchers really fell out of use and even with it so in one of the patch notes they noticed they said that grenades and horseshoes has been toned down a bit so whether we'll see that give rise to more taken-out use i doubt because the one weapon that didn't apply to was truth which people use in their crucible because it is like pushing the easy button on a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: go find an enemy and kill yeah, it. It'll fall to the ends of the earth. <laughs>
3: <laughs> go on, rocket. Go find someone to kill. Just wave it as it yep. goes. Don't even aim. <laughs> it's pretty much how it works. Can't wait to see giant gold versions of it.
2: Oh, man, that's right. <laughs> At least it would kind of, it would kind of match a Takenot in that case.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You have gold guardians. So. Like it's to funny, th- I use rockets on my characters, except for my Titan. My Titan's the only one that doesn't use rockets.
2: <laughs> Man, I never use rocket launchers anymore. I use them this week after the the update when it reset the Nightfall and the Weekly Heroics to both Void Burn. I was running a Tormund's Bellows that I have with tracking grenadier, and it's Void, so. Yeah, because I, I, I was running Telesto as my exotic. So, because Telesto is a monster in Void Burn Specialist.
1: Yes. Oh yeah.
2: Okay, yeah, I was running Strikes with my team, and we were just we were just we had we're at Ala la cool, uh, the Dark Blade. It's like the Dark Blade. He is hunting you. You throw one Void Grenade. You light him up. Everybody just charges in and surrounds him in a triangle and melts him with <laughs> Telesto. Nice.
3: Oh. We uh I think last time we were running Regicide for fun and we killed Oryx um we shot him with Telesto and he died as he jumped up in the air. <laughs> he jumped he jumped up and then he just dies and then you see these like uh an orb of light and some engrams raining down. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. like, what Because it was this explosion that killed him. Oh. So good.
2: So yeah, not a not a lot of compelling reasons to run the Takenot unless you just wanna I say unless you wanna freak people out with your funny giant bubble head, but if you're gonna freak people out with a helmet, you might as well wear Eternal Warrior.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So
2: the only other weird thing about the Take Not So a Not that, that name. Uh means outer space or deep space in Mandarin, and then astronaut is the English word. So combined together they're Takenot, similar to how Cosmonaut was mashed up.
3: Isn't the naught part just like explorer? Yeah. Like Thanatanaut, explorer of death. Astronaut, explorer of space.
2: Thakanaut, explorer of space.
3: Of of outer space in Chinese.
2: (laughs) Cosmonaut, explorer of the cosmos. Geometry, not What I do when I explore the game. Uh. All right, and the last one here is. Empyrean Bellicose. Uh, I meant to put more here for Empyrean Bellicose, so... Uh, but let's talk about it, because I got most of it in my head. Uh, this barely understood Golden Age technology once held aloft the floating gardens of Pomona Mons. Now it's stopping bullets. Year 2 only? Uh, the perk in Year 2 is Anti-Grav Thrusters. Aiming weapons while in the air will hold you in place for a short time, and orbs collected while your super is full will recharge your melee ability. Uh, in Year 2, it can roll with any stat combination and perks except invigoration. So, uh, oh man, I don't even have the, the perk symbol notes here. Whoops. Oh well. We can look it up right.
1: It's the one um oh man, it has the lightning bolt in the middle. If you look at our slack, it's like six messages up from the bottom. Oh, there you
2: go. Oh yeah, you were talking about that. Oh, it's the one that looks like Relentless Tracker with a gear
1: around it. Yeah, it's a weird Yeah.
2: Alright, well there you have it. Uh I put, the, I put notes here. So the perk is very similar to the Angel of Light perk that Warlocks have, which suspends mm-hmm. you uh, when you aim down sights and you're in the air, uh, which I talked about using for decelerating jumps and people give me a hard time about it, but it's really awesome for it. Uh, on first glance, it looks similar to the Ruin Wings design. This is a really cool-looking helmet. sort of like this weird, etheric... Uh, coloring with very sort of like ornate clockwork kind of just under the surface uh but that clockwork design does not look anything like ruin wings although it kind of bears a slight resemblance sort of like an onion shaped helmet uh as for the name empyrean generally means belonging to or deriving from heaven uh for what it's worth Empyrean is the 13th track on the 2007 orchestral album by Mike Oldfield, Music of the Spheres. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, it's because Marty O'Donnell also wrote Music of the Spheres for Destiny. And that relates back to a Musica Universalis. Uh, also called the Music of the Spheres or Harmony of the Spheres is an ancient philosophical concept that regards proportions in the movements of celestial bodies, the sun, the moon, the planets, as a form of music. Uh, this music is not usually thought to be literally audible, but harmonic, mathematical, or religious in concepts. So it's a cool little tie back. <clears throat> and then mm-hmm. Bellicose, uh, as you have your gavel, <laughs> demonstrating aggression or willingness to fight. Oh, must come from belligerent.
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. So, there you go. Angels who are
2: willing to fight. Uh, The real bit here, and I'd love to revisit this helmet after Rise of Iron drops. So, the flavor text says, This barely understood golden age tech uh, once held aloft. The floating gardens of Pomona Mons. The floating gardens on Pomona Mons, Venus, are one of the new crucible maps coming with Rise of Iron. So we are going to go exactly where the flavor text of this helmet talks about. Uh, But I also want to point out that the word Mons, when talking about other planets, generally refers to mountains or volcanoes. Currently, there is no Pomona Mons on Venus. It's not a real thing. There is, however, the Pomona Corona uh, in the Ishtar Terra. So the surface of Venus is dominated by patterns of basaltic volcanism uh, and compressional and extensional tectonic deformation, which is a way of saying there's weird, funny shapes on the surface of Venus, Uh, such as the highly deformed uh, Terraserae terrain and the pancake-like volcano tectonic features called Coronae, Uh, Coronae are usually very large, several hundred kilometers across. So on Venus, they're all named after fertility and earth goddesses, with Pomona being the Roman goddess of fruit, so the Pomona Mons, or Pomona Corona is named after her. This is a real thing on Venus right now. However, there is no Pomona Mountain or Pomona Mountain region on Venus called Pomona Mons. So whether we're going to get Some kind of lore in Destiny That talks about how the Traveler helped terraform Venus Maybe possibly creating new mountain ranges That's certainly possible This is strange because When we've talked about exotics or the planets in the past Nearly every reference that's made in Destiny To locations on planets Are things that currently exist now Yeah we obviously don't know where some of them if they're if they're vague in the text we just can't really place them but things like the ocean of storms uh, and some of the other locations Olympus Mons which is the tallest mountain uh, on Mars these are places that are mentioned a lot in destiny these weird alternate locations they're all real they' all exist I think one of the ones we talked about though was the dark side of the moon quote unquote which is the original. Location of the Cauldron Crucible map, uh, but Pomona Mons is not real, so this really makes this sort of stand out. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting on that Crucible map. That's not the PS4 exclusive one, right? No, it's not. Okay, that's the Solar Factory on Mercury. I think yeah, yeah, that's right. Another one that oh man that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I have it. We will get this one. I have a PS4. Private matches will let me go in solo. I can explore. Uh, That's it. I just can't easily take screenshots like I can on the Xbox. Uh, The second part of the flavor text is now it's stopping bullets. So... (laughs) Yeah. To which I commented, I sincerely hope no one is trying to stop bullets with their face, but I guess if anyone's going to do it, it would be the Titans. Uh. So again, this is strange, and I know I'm going to get called out for nitpicking here, but this doesn't make any sense. Now it's stopping bullets would refer to the material the helmet is made out of. But the first part talks about the technology that keeps the Titan airborne. So being airborne doesn't stop bullets. So the tech isn't stopping the bullets, the
1: material is. <laughs> right. I've always found this helmet funny because I just imagine it would be really uncomfortable to jump up in the air and have your helmet hold you up.
2: Well, it's funny like, if you look at it's it. It's really painful for your neck. If you've ever seen a Titan using it, uh, the it literally like vents the energy out the side of the helmet. It, it looks really funny uh, if you've seen it in action. If you haven't, find somebody who has one and have them go do it in the field. It's not nearly as cool as Angel of Light uh, for Warlocks. But, yeah, I always imagine that Titan's head is just going to blast off their neck and fly into space when I see it. <laughs> uh, but, for what it's worth, this perk has made for some devastating Crucible builds. Uh... I think most widely known is True Vanguard and his Sniper School series. But he did an entire, I know he did at least one video called the Sky Sniper Build. He made them a series where he puts the Bellicose through its paces and he is just, he's an excellent, excellent sniper to begin with. And his, his Crucible videos are incredible. I'll, I'll link True Vanguard in the show notes. Uh, but his Sky Sniper build was mean. Like, just capitalizing on the fact that in high-level Crucible play, when somebody jumps, you can usually calculate their trajectory a little bit. But with Bellicose and the ability to stop yourself in mid-air and then take a quick sniper shot or hover over a doorway and come straight down on top of somebody, it's it really changes your options up and it's another example of Titans being given an exotic that really accentuates aerial superiority we talked about that with uh, Twilight Garrison uh, in a way that's what Peregrine Greaves do because you're a flying freight train with those on uh, and then the Bellicose sort of makes you this sort of like aerial turret and gives you if you're a strong sniper you nobody sees this coming
1: yeah, it's also cool because it's like, you jump up, you aim down sights, and it's not like you just freeze, right? It's like, if you're traveling forward when you hit it, you still sort of glide forward in, in a a unique way, yeah. I mean, unique to Bellicose and to Angel of Light, that's that's really not like any other kind of movement that can mix things up a lot, so... It's cool, I, I used this helmet a lot um, early on in the Taken King, um, and got really used to using that, not in PvP, but in PvE, to like move around uh and and it's it's a lot of fun to use and so sometimes I'll throw on an Angel of Light just to get that back and and play around with it because I run Sunbreakers I always have Angel of Light on uh, mm-hmm.
2: and man I I I mean I mentioned it during the Sunbreaker episode but still now like you can take huge jumps so one of the things I love to do I think the best place you can sort of do this not the best place but one of the best places is uh, when you're entering the Dusk Warren, where uh, the catch is parked on Venus, you can take a huge jump off the top of that cliff. You can get horizontal distance by activating your radiance, and then on your your second part of your jump, you can stagger your jump because your grenade delays your momentum. So what you can do is you can jump off the cliff, activate Radiance, and just start raining down grenades uh, by staggering grenade throw, jump buffer, grenade throw, jump buffer, grenade throw, grenade throw jump buffer. And since I run uh, the Radiance lasts longer, I can get a ton of grenades out, but eventually you'll run out of jump power, and then what you can do is just free fall towards the ground, and right as you get close, aim down sights with Angel of Light. It'll sl- it'll just completely soften your landing. You keep your momentum, but it you know decreases it by like ninety percent. Then you just casually touch down in a field of fire, like. <laughs> uh, and I love I love the the aerial attack options that Angel of Light allows, and and that sort of like jump grenade staggering. You can sort of do the same thing with Bellicose, uh, where much like shoulder charge, you can completely alter your momentum. You can even run shoulder charge and then immediately aim down sights and the Imperium, the Bellicose, will cut off your forward momentum. So, if you're going into a bad situation, you can back out of it a little bit quicker. So, the options are there. The aerial options are there for Titan.
1: Yeah, it's a really neat ability.
2: Alternatively, you can jump above a door with a shotgun, aim straight down, and as soon as somebody... Walks through the doorway, you just cap them in the top of their dome. <laughs> just mean, uh, unless they're wearing their, their cranial dreadnought, I guess. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Helm of Saint 14. But oh, yeah, that one. This one. one <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast and you do not know who Saint 14 is, I suggest going back and listening to our Titan episode where we talked about Saint 14 quite a bit or any episode where we talk about Osiris, where we also talk about Saint-14. It's kind of a big deal. He is kind of a big deal. Let's go over the perks, (laughs) and then we'll talk about some of the insane lore surrounding Saint-14. Helm of Saint-14, he walked out into the demon light, but at the end, he was brighter. The pay into Saint-14. In year one, uh, the perk was called Starless Night, your ward of dawn blinds enemies who enter it. It rolled with rain blows and inverse shadow. Uh, in year two, it is also called Starless night. Your ward of dawn blinds enemies who enter it. And in year two, it'll always roll with intellect. The perk symbol is a flat circle uh, with a star pattern in it. Uh, probably one of the most worn helmets for titans in year one definitely there was oh yeah. this was like the option this was the thing to have everybody wanted helm of saint 14 and it was so useful for so many things uh, but let's talk about some of the lore behind the helm of saint 14 and uh saint 14 himself kind of a famous dude here (laughs) so who is Saint-14 and 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 why is he why is he the awesomest titan ever or one of them
1: (laughs) (laughs) he's gotta be like the most well is he the most famous titan well here's the thing
2: I wrote that in here and I wrote Saint-14 is arguably the most famous exo titan in Destiny I guess exo titan works uh but arguing the same as Titan in Destiny lore. That's tough. It's a tough between Shax,
1: Saladin, who are much more front and center. Uh, right, but I mean, they're characters we interact with. Certainly, certainly, he's probably the best known. Saint Fourteen is going to be the best known character that we have no interaction with. Titan, Titan, that we have no interaction with, right? Genial old Holborn from Holborn's host. Yeah, but I mean. But yeah,
2: nothing like saying 14. (laughs) (laughs) Or, oh, I guess Zavala doesn't really count since we talked with him. I'm just now seeing Scalp Tent in this. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Hero of the Battle of Six Fronts. uh, After which he recommends the speaker that Osiris be promoted to Vanguard Commander. That kicked off a whole other weird series of events. Uh, also, after Six Fronts, Saint-14 himself embarked on a crusade against the Fallen, which resulted in the now-famous death-by-headbutt of Sulcus, the Kell of the House of Devils. Uh, believed that He believed that the darkness was a physical thing, such as an invading army, and he was last seen headed to Mercury on the command of the Speaker to find Osiris. Uh... That piece of the story can be found on the Titan Helmet Arahant Type 2. quote, A story of Saint-14 holds that while grappling with a great Kel, he caved in the Fallen's head with one blow from his own. So, I really wish that Saint-14 gave you like a headbutt perk, but there you go. It
1: would be crazy if it like changed shoulder charge to some sort of lunging headbutt or something. It would
2: be amazing.
3: Instead of Knee of Justice, and you have Headbutt of Justice. Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So in the flavor text, there's this Pay into Saint-14. If you do listen to our Titan episode, don't listen to this part of it, uh, as we were quickly corrected. So this Pay into Saint-14 appears in three places. Uh, One of the lines is here on the Helm of Saint-14. Another line is from the Order of the Lost Saint Mark, which is an Order of Titans. uh, And that part reads, His light cast no shadows, but it's unsure if that is a reference to Saint Fourteen or Osiris himself. uh, As that has been described as uh, the Cult of Osiris. Some of their folks don't cast shadows because they burn so damn bright. Uh, And the third line is from the Ring of Saint Fourteen, which is a Titan artifact, and that reads, "Was there ever another guardian so beloved by the people?" Uh, and all throughout the lore, you find these references that Saint 14 was beloved by the people. He was he was a hero to the people, and they were they were his fans. Uh, he fought quite famously at the Battle of Six Fronts uh, alongside the Iron Lords. Uh, and alongside Osiris, this is one of the few references we have that ties a lot of these legendary guardians together. Uh, so, whether we'll find out in Rise of Iron if anyone potentially mentions Saint-14, since they must have fought with him, since they were all heroes of this particular encounter, is unknown. Same goes for Osiris. Fingers crossed, basically. Yes. It would be a, an amazing lead-in to these characters. Uh, Six Fronts itself has become a little bit murky in the writings recently. Uh, up until just recently, Saint Six Fronts has held this place as this amazing battle. It was the first considered the first major battle of the city, uh, where the orders four orders of Titans held. The uh, six main entries to the city Defending, defending it against the Fallen uh, And again, the Iron Lords were there Saint-14 was there Osiris was there This is a major, major, major conflagration For the city Where a lot of Guardian heroes First rose to amazing prominence Toland was there uh, Fought alongside Osiris But in recent writings, the Battle of Six Fronts seems to have gotten a huge downgrade and has been, like, weirdly overlapped with the Faction Wars. Uh, And that comes from some of those Rezalazir cards and then a bunch of the comments made during the Writers' Roundtable just recently when promoting Rise of Iron, sort of implying that Six Fronts was the battle that ended the Faction Wars. Uh, we know that the Fallen attacked and that ended the Faction Wars, but it didn't seem like that was Six Fronts. It seemed like a, initially a skirmish between right. the, the Risen who became Guardians to, and fought the Fallen. Uh, but it seems like more and more that Six Fronts is being, the name Six Fronts is being applied to this particular fight, which doesn't make a lot of sense lore-wise, and I really hope that's not the case and that this gets cleared up.
1: Uh, I'm sure that whatever it is will be made abundantly clear right <laughs> <laughs> I hope so i mean in in all this new grimoire we're gonna get with rise of iron if they're gonna if they're gonna detail the history of the iron lords they will have to clarify a lot about six fronts
2: yeah so I mean because this means like the speaker was already established and there i mean there wasn't a vanguard at that point how could there like it just doesn't make i don't know So, in my mind, Six Fronts stands apart. It is its own separate thing, but man, what a sight to behold that must have been to have Osiris on the field and Toland on the field and Saint-14 on the field and the Iron Lords. It kind of makes me wish we had a Destiny tactical RPG like Halo Wars (laughs) uh, where we could replay Six Fronts like that and be able to deploy all these amazing units on the field. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that would be incredible. But hey, we can wish. Uh, <laughs> said that that death by headbutt shows up on the Arahat type 1 through 6. Uh You can actually see dents on the Helm of Saint-14, which means that he was a headbutty kind of guy. It wasn't just Sulcus that, that got one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was his signature move. Yeah, I feel like Fallen... Were like they were brave, like crucible people who were brave and try to take on a Titan in their bubble. So they all ran in, were immediately blinded, and then Saint 14 just headbutt them all to death.
3: <laughs> He's a headbuddy kind of
2: guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's just
1: kinda headbuddy. There you go.
2: He also believed that the darkness was a physical thing, an actual Thing So in the Grimoire for dark, the Darkness, it reads, Saint-14's position argues that the Darkness was an invading armada, an alien force of incredible but tangible power. Some adherents believe that this armada sprang from species rejected or discarded by the Traveler for their sins. It's a pretty close description of what happens with the Hive. Although they were not discarded by the Traveler for their sins, as far as we know. Uh, And as far as we know, the Traveler has never discarded any race or species for their sins. We know now that the Traveler was abandoned uh, civilizations because he was being chased across the galaxy by Oryx and the Hive in the darkness. But a tangible invading armada? Yeah, that's exactly what Oryx's fleet was. Or the Cabal Armada, potentially? Mm. <laughs> it's open. It's vague and open to interpretation, but again, hopefully one day we'll find out. Uh, so I got some quotes here about Saint-14. Uh, I'll go through them real quick. Uh, some suggest Saint-14's legendary vigil was enabled by a few roaming hunters and their bloody culls. That's on the cloak of the sky pillars showing that even the Hunters were respected Saint-14. Uh, Saint some Saint-14 quotes. You are the shield. The ward allows you to bear the brunt of the impact. Nothing more. You are the shield, and the light keeps you standing. Saint-14. Also, stand with your back to the wall, and not even the darkness itself will move you. Uh, aim your strike past this moment, into the moment beyond, then smile as your foe shatters upon your watch." Uh, Fun aside, that strike past this moment into the moment beyond, one of the tenets of Shotokan Karate practiced by Ken and Ryu. So, I can only imagine that Saint-14 trained under Shenlong and learned that. (laughs) Uh, And the last one here a singer came to me saying, You protect me and I do nothing in return. I told him to sing and he understood Saint 14. Uh, that is commonly believed to be about a sun singer uh, to which we sort of draw that parallel uh, when there's a bond, a warlock bond called blood maturity, and it's believed to it has a St. 14 quote on it and is believed to be in uh, reference to Osiris. And it reads, I have found that rarest treasure, a pragmatic warlock. So it seems that St. 14 is also a fan uh, and well respected by the warlocks, probably because of his willingness and friendship with Osiris, who is sort of like the warlock. <laughs> Even Toland thought that, but I'll forgive him.
1: <laughs> Everybody has to look up to somebody. True. That's, I, honestly, that's one of my
2: favorite relationships in the entire game. Uh, throughout all the lore, there's this sort of great implied relationship between Toland and Osiris, where Toland very, very, very much looked up to Osiris while he was a warlock. Uh, and it wasn't until Toland got sort of, not overtaken, but dove deep Into the hive lore that he, sort of exiled himself a bit and was apart from the rest of the guardians, but there's this great you know people believe like Toland to be this like sort of like creepy dark, uh, kind of warlock, and Osiris is this hyper radiant you know agent of the light style warlock, and that that the fact that the two of them were close friends is something I really I love that relationship
1: in the lore. Yeah, this like super powerful odd couple. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then saint Fourteen's
2: relationship also with osiris uh in a lot of the not a lot of the lore but we've talked about this in the past where the speaker refers to affectionately refers to saint 14 as his son yeah uh, and so we know the relationship sort of soured between the speaker and osiris you know, causing Osiris to sort of strike out on his own, form the cult of Osiris and start exploring all kinds of crazy things. There's plenty to read there. We've talked about it in the past. But so where you have the speaker and Osiris is like his protege, his like you you are the greatest that a guardian can be, you have to live up to that and sort of respect these traditions to which Osiris balked at. And then, so then, the Speaker turns around to Saint-14, who he also holds very close to the point of considering him, you know, sort of like his uh, metaphorical son. There's nobody that the Speaker can trust to reclaim Osiris uh, than Saint-14. And it very much seems like the Speaker capitalized on Saint-14's popularity quite a bit. Uh, so the fact that Saint-14 was so devoted to the speaker probably gave the speaker a lot of credibility with the city and the guardians and whatnot. I'm saying that as strictly as somebody who does not trust the speaker farther than I can move him with the purple ball. So... Ah, <laughs> so. uh. uh, the purple ball. So so there's a lot here. There's a lot. And again, so we have we have all that stuff in the grimoire, we have the relationship between Osiris and the speaker, and between the speaker and Saint Fourteen, and a little bit between Saint Fourteen and Osiris, uh, and then Osiris and Toland. But what we don't have is any kind of established relationship between the Lords of Iron and any of those characters. Right. And I have to imagine, at some point, that if. You have these guardians who are as powerful as Osiris, especially the way Osiris is described at Six Fronts, where he's, like, appearing in multiple places at the same time and, like, bathing everyone in this radiant glow of the sun, and just, he was, like, the Jesus of the battlefield. Uh, Was he ever an Iron Lord? If the Iron Lords were so strong and so powerful and so devoted, why did they never try to recruit, like, Saint-14 or Osiris or Toland or anybody like that into their ranks?
1: Yeah, that's one of the answers I guess we hope to get is what really, what is an Iron Lord? How many people other than just the ones we associate with that name actually were Iron Lords? Maybe he was one. Like, are we going to get Lord in front of our
2: name when we become an Iron Lord? Lord Ratchet.
1: Oh, I'm going to stick to gabble
2: Lord Gamble. <laughs> sure, by Hogarth is Lord Pop. Lord,
3: <laughs> Pop. Lord of all the Pops Shiverty and otherwise
2: and I'll be Lord of all the drops,
3: Lord Slash
2: I'll take that one too <laughs> man I hope there's <laughs> new swords uh, anyway uh, some quick notes as I mentioned the Helm of Saint-14 is quite dented implying that Saint-14 did not just reserve his headbutt for Sulcus but quite a few other folks uh Although many other helmets have the mount for the mohawk plume, like uh, Eternal Warrior, Saint-14 is the only one in the game with the actual mohawk still attached, giving that that very distinct Roman-esque profile. Mm -hmm.
3: It moves in the breeze as well. It's
1: it's pretty awesome.
3: (laughs) It's funny watching it flutter around.
1: (laughs) But how do you see out of it? That's
2: it's well it's interesting right that's like, it's one of the helmets that has no discernible visor or eye holes or it's got that center that purple center line in the middle
1: but yeah yeah but I don't know um, space magic space is the tip magic.
3: your head on the side inside it so your eyes are lined up with that center line
1: oh that's so weird
2: but <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Er Eris would be able to see out of it just with her one the one center eye just with the middle eye no death perception can you imagine her tiny little frame with a giant like bucket Helm of St. 14 it'd be like big head (laughs) mode for Destiny her wandering around the tower bumping into things
3: (laughs) staggering around (laughs) I just pictured um, you know in in Shrek when he comes across the guy with the big mascot Farquaad head on oh exactly Exactly. and he's running around the the roped off area (laughs) So, a bitch era starting around with the, Just like bumping into everything. Oh, so good.
2: about the raw and practical power of Helm of Scene 14, especially for crowd control purposes, made it the go to must have exotic for Defender Titans in year one. It is still highly regarded uh, and used in a great many number of instances especially now that Defenders, with the way perks have started to roll and the adjustments made to Defender, you can play Defender crazy aggressive, and Mm -hmm. this gives Ward of Dawn a very tactically offensive power. Uh, So, I don't know how other people use it. My crew, usually when we run the Omnigul strike, uh, once you get up into the Skywatch where the fallen drop ships come the whole team, we will Titan skate as fast as we can right into the drop zone of where the ships drop enemies all put on swords uh, and we'll stagger Saint-14 bubbles and the enemies, the fallen will just drop immediately into the bubble get immediately blinded and then get melted by dark drinkers <laughs> uh, and the same with Omnigul, Omnigul is capable of being blinded So, again, everybody rolls in on Omnigul, throws one suppression grenade, and then drops a Saint-14 bubble right on top of her, and she will be blinded, and then you can just melt her with either the Fourth Horseman or Dark Drinker or whatever your weapon of choice is. Uh, Even the beginning section where all the Thrall come running out of the the tunnels, drop a Saint-14 bubble, just let them run in, and just start punching the hell out of them. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and put the gift of light perk on, so your your melees are creating orbs, and you're just you're just pumping out orbs constantly. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then in year one, even in year one, I when we I think one of the first times I did Crota's end, we were getting through trying to get through the stills without me sort of like cheesing it and jumping up high, and both Chrono and Nightfork, like, let's just stagger Saint-14 bubbles since so many of the Thrall run in from behind you and they don't respawn unless they're killed. You can just leave a Saint-14 bubble behind you. All the Thrall will run into it and stagger around blind. They won't respawn ahead of you. Uh, so you got a pretty clear run most of the way. So That's cool. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> it's... It's fun, and it's it also creates a complete gamble in in the crucible too, where it's like somebody will drop the bubble. You don't know if whose team it's on. If the titan is not inside it, then like, is it is it the
1: other team's bubble, or is it our team's bubble? <laughs> will this, yeah, will this give me blessing, yeah. or will this make me blind? But if it's the
2: other team's bubble, is it a Saint Fourteen bubble? Am I gonna get ambushed the second I walk into this thing? <laughs> so probably i'm looking forward to seeing how this again affects year three with the year three raid really being about quote-unquote movement uh the ability to collect and blind enemies in a single spot using the bubble uh could really take some of the necessity for movement out of aspects of the raid I'm, i'm interested to see how that can get applied Yeah, giving, yeah. making the bubble offensive, pretty awesome. Same fourteen. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Killing, killing, taken with headbutts, or fallen with headbutts. Probably kills taken with it too.
1: <laughs> Although I guess technically he doesn't have the helmet anymore. We have it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm sure he can headbutt in his new helmet. <laughs> I bet his new helmet is he like a dance. it's like a unicorn head with a big spike in the front. <laughs>
2: It's also worth noting that this helmet can roll pure int, I believe, pure intellect. So, I saw this quite often in year 1 even striker titans would wear Helm of Saint 14 for the massive intellect boost it would give you uh, even if you were a defender. So, it's got its uses outside of even just defenders. And that is Helm of Saint 14. Uh, I've got a whole section on him in the next episode we're going to do, which we're not going to talk about quite yet, uh, relating to things that we just talked about. So I got a little bit excited and talked about it anyway, but we'll <laughs> talk about it <laughs> next time as well. Uh, well, these are these like these are the things. These are the things to look out for. We Rise of Iron is right there, and that's the last Titan exotic. That's the last exotic. No. no, it's the last. Negative. Negative.
3: Mm-hmm. No.
2: <sighs> what are we missing? So, we started with exotic weapons. Yeah. Uh, and then we talked about exotic mm-hmm. armor. In the Bungie lore episode, we talked about an exotic ship. Oh. There's one last exotic in the database.
4: Hmm.
2: <laughs> What's that? That is the S-99 Dawn Chaser, the exotic sparrow. <laughs> oh, my... <laughs> You really saved the yeah. best for last here. the best for yeah. last uh <laughs> the flavor text reads the future and all its promises await you uh, or all its promise awaits you
3: uh you mean like promises you don't keep like like sparrows you don't put in the game
2: yeah he's sure.
3: sparrow and the promise of a sparrow awaits you <laughs>
2: This Sparrow had no exotic perk, but it did have overdrive, strafe thrusters, and your regular boost, so this is an overdrive model Sparrow. The little icon was gray with red, but the actual model was mostly red with gray. Uh, This bright red Sparrow has been around since Vanilla Destiny, uh, but it has since been removed from the database. If you try and access it via the Armory these days, it leads you right to a full-on error page. That is
1: the the gorilla riding a rocket ship. <laughs> it's not the SS-404 Dawn Chaser.
2: Yeah, that's what it should be. <laughs> <laughs> so there's not a lot known about this. Uh, again, it was mined out of the database in, in year one. Uh, people thought it was going to be a reward for something, and it never was. When Sparrow Racing came back, people were like, oh, maybe the Dawn Chaser will be the S-rank reward for Sparrow Racing never made an appearance. Uh, and then it was stripped out of the database. It turned into the Galler Wing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the Sparrowhorn. <laughs> so, yeah, the Dawn Chaser. I, I love the name. I wish this thing was in the game. As we sort of talked about with the exotic ship, which is the Menace seller day, I think. Uh, reserved possibly for... Bungie employees only uh, but if that's the case why it's stripped out of the database and returns an error these days is unknown uh,
1: well and if that were the case somebody you would see it in the wild at least because Bungie employees do play or so they say I mean that's like when they used to have the, the on, they were the only ones to have flaming heads and, and Halo that's true but then I see
2: the nerfs to Gunslinger and I wonder do they really play
4: They just don't play Hunter. Wow.
2: (laughs) Wow. Uh, So yeah, that's the last. I thought I'd toss Anthony in there. That's the last exotic. The uh, S99 Dawn Chaser. So it it doesn't even look special. It just looks like a red and gray sparrow. (laughs) So there you go. Mm -hmm. Fifteen episodes later, all our exotics are done. Fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen. What do we cover (laughs) Three three new ones from a gate Rise of Iron is not even out yet. A whole bunch that never made it into the game. Uh, and a bunch that have been gone through some pretty significant changes, and some that have not gone through many changes at all. Some that are And some that changed a day ago yes. <laughs> <laughs> or four days ago. Some that are completely class defining. Like in year one, Saint 14 was the defender piece. Uh But nowadays, you know, and then we covered some that just don't seem to have any use at all. Like Eternal Warrior.
1: Like, what does it do? And its warlock counterpart, Skull of Dire Ahamkara. Well, at least Skull of Dire Ahamkara
2: allows you to play around a little bit with the the Hunger. And work on that sort of like infinite grenade build a little bit. Eternal Warrior does nothing. It gives you unstoppable. Whoop-de-doo. It
3: looks looks creepy. Maybe that's part of the exotic, is that it just psychs the enemies out, because they're like, ugh, it's really staring at me.
1: More like they're like, why are they wearing that? It doesn't. It just makes me want to punch it. Or or
2: (laughs) throw a knife into it, or knee-strike it with my Peregrine Greaves.
3: That's fair enough. When I see... Like I land in a match, with like a six v six sort of thing, and one of my teammates lands. We're wearing the <laughs> Eternal Warrior. I'm like, oh no, oh uh, why? <laughs> Do you
1: have to be on my team? I've seen people wearing it who weren't even Striker Titans, and I like they just needed. Help. Well, you know, I've I've heard of Warlocks that were running Stormcaller and wearing uh, Heart of the Praxic Fire. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. wah wah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a fashion statement.
2: So now that we've covered them all, do you...
1: Anybody have a particular favorite? Everybody knows mine by now, but... Oh, well, mine's definitely nothing, Manacles, ever, ever since uh, April update.
0: Um, Are we talking armor or weapon or I combination?
1: Think. Anything.
2: What, what can't you live without? Mm. If you could only keep one exotic weapon and one exotic piece of armor...
1: Oh, jeez.
3: Well, if I'm going for how it functions, I, I'm going to I'm gonna keep what I'm wearing. I've got Bones of Ayo and Miter.
2: <laughs> ooh, that's but a good combo.
3: I don't like the look of Bones as much, especially when you take the shader off and it's got bright orange pants. Gotta
0: get those Dead orbit shaders. I'm going to be salty and say uh, Thorn, because just earning it, I felt awesome back then, because I had it. had it really early on and people just complained about how hard it was to get just felt good having it um and then yeah you were in those
1: games with me um it was like pretty pretty it was before house of wolves like like, it was was before thorn like took over the the crucible and we would get in fire teams and the joke would be let's just all put on thorn just to annoy people (laughs) It wasn't even let's all put on thorn because it's it's this ridiculously overpowered gun. It was like wouldn't it be hilarious if six people in a fire team had thorn?
0: Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, cuz yes. you didn't see that. You didn't see thorn that often and when you did, you're like, "Oh man, that's a thorn." You know. So so using it was <laughs> just like your, it was like a badge of honor for a while. Uh, and armor? Now it's
3: just a badge of annoyance. I don't know,
0: man. I don't know about <laughs> armor. Um on my Hunter, I switch it up so much depending on what I'm doing. I don't think I have anything that I'm really attached to. I mean, Bones is cool and... Well, Bones of Ao and... Uh, the... Uh, young Ahamkara's... Ahamkara's fine. Yeah, I like, I like that too. Just the grenades are fun, but... I don't know. Other than that, I mean... I'm, I'm not too well, now terribly, terribly attached.
2: Now that you brought up Thorn... And we talked about the stand-asides. Let's real quick here at the end, I'm going to bust out some of the changes that were made to exotics since we've recorded these episodes. Uh, Because we talked about some exotics that were sort of really, really definitive uh, and were amazing that have since seen some pretty hefty changes. I'm going to go down the list real quick. Uh, We talked about this even with Touch of Malice. Uh, But let's hit this list. So uh, in the two-point... 4.0 4.0 update, which was just a few days ago. Uh, Universal Remote got a hefty nerf. Uh, the the perk Universal Remote, the range bonus, has been reduced by 75%. Uh, although it has received an increased rate of fire, it is considered a net nerf to Universal Remote. We talked about uh, UR the shotguns episode and how it created like this amazing double shotgun loadout and its range was sort of unmatched. It's seen a lot of crucible use lately because it was resilient to the range nerfs, but it finally got hit. So a lot of people are calling this the end of Universal Remote. Fabian Strategy got a pretty hefty overhaul uh, for the second time. We talked about Fabian Strategy, Um, we talked auto-rifles, We talked about how when it originally came out, it was basically a bookend and was useless. (laughs) Uh, They adjusted some of the perks, but it was still considered pretty not that great. Uh, It's had three changes made to it, uh, which include kills with this weapon, now automatically load a portion of the magazine, increases the base range by 16%, and increases the base stability by 44%. Uh, It is now being... I think I heard it referred to as the love child of bad juju and super good advice. Uh, you don't get the super bonus that you get from bad juju, but you do get the automatic, uh, automatic loading of portion of the magazine. And now, it received other perks. What is what are the other, the uh, surrounded I think, and the one that gives you more damage after a kill. So crowd control, crowd control. So the, what the gun really does now is it It's like a medium rate of fire auto rifle And as you slowly Move towards your group of targets You're getting a damage increase From Crowd control Jeez uh, <laughs> You're getting your weapon reloaded Because you're getting kills And then as you close in on your last targets It spins up to a high rate of fire Auto rifle uh, And allows you to really just sort of bullet hose the last of your magazine uh, onto enemies. It's been, it's been fairly well-received, this new update to Fabian strategy.
1: Yeah, it's nice to see that Titans might have gotten the gun they deserve. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's no play lock, but what is? <laughs>
1: that's what I ran. That's what I Well, I mean, not that that's been uncommon for me, but I ran that at Oryx today nice. when... No one, no one on our team ran a single... We did not have a single Touch of Malice. Wow. So, not even our platform guys ran it. Everybody. And that's, that's one of the things that's funny to me is like... The, uh, actually, you have probably haven't talked about that yet, but... The changes to that, we can just do it now, right? Um, yeah, Touch of Malice. So, Touch of, malice self,
2: touch of Malice's self-damage infliction, which is the last round, which provides the double damage, uh, now removes or strips Blessing of Light. So you
1: can no longer buffer uh, your touch of malice shots with blessings of light, which I think, from a thematic and lore perspective, is totally the right call. Like it makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it has been so like the the reception to that change has been so negative that everyone's just like, oh, it's ruined. I'm just never. There's no reason to ever run that gun. It's like, well, the only people that were using bless like at Oryx were the the two guys in the middle. Everybody else can still use it.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. On the on ear Anuk Anir Halak, you have the immortality aura, so it doesn't matter. Everybody uses weapons right. of light there anyway. And then, so for that center strat, you have one Titan running blessings of light and two Titans using it with just as like a little bit of extra buffer for touch of malice. Like that's it. That's the only like who where else do you use. Touch of Malice and Blessings of Light in a combo, there's...
3: I've been killed by it in the Crucible. Really? Yes. Not recently, not in the last week, but before that, yes. Man. I've been killed by it a couple of times in the Crucible. It was actually, there was one round of games, I believe it was Control a while back I was playing, and it was very weird. I got killed by Touch of Malice in three separate games, and on one I got killed by Black Spindle. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> It's like, okay, I get Touch of Malice because you can essentially make a bubble and that's your ammo for super-powered bullets. But Black <laughs> like Spindle, hard-scoping across that pantheon, whatever, with the cube oh, in the middle.
2: Yeah, Pantheon. Uh, <laughs> bold bold yeah, play using Spindle. But
3: yeah, I was being killed by Touch of Malice. Wow. A couple of times. So people were using it uh, and essentially using the Ward of Dawn as ammo for it to have high-powered hmm. shots
2: it just doesn't seem efficient but
3: hey well it was like a one-hit kill or something if they got a headshot on you you're dead huh so hmm. i mean because a couple of times i just like i got shot once what was that and it's like touch him like, what touch of malice really like <laughs> and then there's some titan across the map like dancing like. of course anyway Defender yeah, Titans. so I got killed by it a couple of times in the Crucible, wow. and it seemed odd, but that might be where some of the outrage is if people are using huh. it outside of the raid. Yeah,
2: I, I've never, I've never encountered Touch of Malice in the Crucible. Wow. All
3: right. Yeah, that, that when I found Black Spindle, that was interesting. <laughs> I could get Touch of Malice, but Black Spindle seems uh, interesting. I because- get,
2: I get Spindle because of its... Impact rating, but man, you've got to be a a dead-on sniper. That that is not a forgiving sniper rifle. Uh, no, especially with its its rate of fire, you've you've got to be you got to hit what you're aiming at. Well, they hit me. Uh, and also, well, I guess now with the new flinch mechanics on snipers, it's going to be even harder to run something like uh, spindle. All right, you guys are talking about Thorn, which had its base range reduced by 25 percent. Thorn was sort of this ridiculously... I mean, Thorn was unique, right? That... Thorn was responsible for a lot of changes that were made to hand cannons, especially their range and damage drop-off. Thorn was never affected by those things, because Thorn's range is bananas. And it has a range perk. Uh, so, just take away the range perk. Anyway, I'm not here to complain about. <laughs> just just listing off what they did. Uh, I, the reason I love Thorn is because it has such a soft, like, firing action. It feels good when you fire that gun. It's, it really It does. sounds great. It's smooth when it fires. Uh, there's nothing else quite like it. Uh dreg's promise uh, danny will be happy to hear that the damage was increased by eight percent and the magazine size was increased by three so dregs dreg's coming through a little bit on the promise <laughs> no time i like that one <laughs> no time to explain got head seeker as an intrinsic perk uh, which is nice for pulse rifles <clears throat> and boolean gemini had high caliber rounds added, this was the perk that was removed from Mida or toned down on Mida.
3: So, took it from Mida, gave it to Bullion. Yes. Share some love for the exotic scout rifles.
1: Well, and it's cool because Bullion has the, you can get the agility buff for precision kills.
3: Yeah, that's true. So
1: it's like, you get a few precision kills, you get the agility buff, it's got the high caliber rounds, it's like, oh... Cool. This is. It actually. It's. If I ran with it a couple days ago, right out. It was the first gun I grabbed out of my vault after that patch, and it's. It feels like it's in a really good place right now. I liked it a lot. Nice. Uh,
2: and those are the exotic changes, or at least the exotic weapons changes that were made. Uh, we're supposed to be getting today is. We're recording this on Sunday. We're supposed to be getting more patch notes tomorrow, uh, and hopefully that will outline some more changes probably will include that mark 44 stand aside patch note and maybe changes to other exotics though i don't think anything has been found to date. So there you go. That's in year in it. year 7 you can come back and listen to these and recall fondly what exotics were.
3: Like a little time capsule.
1: That's right. <laughs> like a 15 episode
2: time capsule. And for the record, if I had to keep a weapon, I don't think I could ever give up boltcaster. Uh, I love it too much. And as for armor, it would be tough if I could only ever have one. I would have to let go of graviton forfeit for for bones of Ao because I couldn't do some of the oh, things okay. that I do. I couldn't go some of the places I go and break the game the way that I do to discover things without bones and the combination of bones and a sword that allows you to crack through geometry is sort of unprecedented. And I can always get uh shade step back if I need it, but there's nothing gives you what bones gives you.
3: That's true. At the very least you can use the shade step perk. Yeah. And give up keen scout or whatever. So.
2: And I have to do that anyway. When I'm exploring, I have to I wear bones. And then just put, take off keen scout and put on shade step because shade step is great at messing with geometry too. So. <laughs> you
3: really are the geometry not
2: Pretty much. Well, there's some places I never would have been able to break into without a combination of the really high force of the extra jump combined with the horizontal movement of that the sword provides you and then the weird glitchy things that shade step can do cuz it's it's like blinking on the ground so you can weasel your way into little tiny spaces you're not supposed to be in so yeah i couldn't do it <laughs> we had some people in the slack chat i think earlier this week break into were you with them gabble to where break into where the restorative mind is
1: yes yeah pygmy and i and the person whose name i said i would only ever say once on this podcast oh. all right we know who it is <laughs> <laughs> but he was kind enough to to actually lead Pygmy and i and, and a couple other friends that uh, from elsewhere over into to get that ghost sweet
3: you can get the ghost
1: yeah yeah I it's want- ghost for, it's it's vex 5
3: yeah. i want that one
1: yeah when you when Scoob and I
2: Hunter. first started the timeline, uh, we were interviewed by a guy from Ars Technica about it, and we met in-game, and I broke him in there to get that ghost that was like, hey, this is how we, how we sk- find out all this information, by going and finding it in the game. So I broke into the restorative mind area and then had him load into my fire team, and he got the ghost, and he was super happy about it.
3: You guys nice. are gonna have to take my boyfriend and I on a tour. We both need that ghost. Let's do it. <laughs> we both sit there and complain about not having Vex five. And have you helpful. have
1: you gotten the new the the one from the new area on Mars yet? Clovis, no, I don't Clovis think so. Bray two. <sighs> yeah. yeah, I, I broke.
3: You, you guys are taking us on a tour. It's official. <laughs>
2: <laughs> broke in there too and got that one. There's also a dormant yeah. Siva cluster in there.
3: Yeah, I saw you posted that.
2: Yeah, the exploration team has been on, on full tilt we're, we're doing our best to discover all these areas and sneak in and see what we can find and it's really fun like I was talking with Flatnik and Kex about the things that we're seeing in there and the logos that appear on things and like the uh, the CPU systems that are used in that room are the same as the ones in the archive and some of the archive stuff has been relabeled. So there's like giant solid state hard drives that are down there now and just studying the architecture and just putting all the pieces together. It, it's one of the best parts about getting this update would be the ability to find out more about these places and what they are and what we're doing and, and how they fit into the, the big picture that we're always trying to put together. So.
1: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's just going to get crazier here in, what, nine days? Nine days, yeah. Nine. From when we're recording. recording. So we're going to try and
2: sneak one more episode in before Rise of Iron because we would be insane to try and release an episode on that Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So we're going to try and get out before then. So if you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday, there may be another show later in this week uh, as a prep for Rise of Iron. So watch out for it. And now I said it on the show,
0: and
2: if we don't do it, you have to cut this part out. Womp <laughs> womp. <laughs> Dang it. That's
1: me. Uh, and if we, if, we, uh, if we can't all get together to record that one, X Ray can just record more culinary tips oh, right, and release yeah. that as yeah, its man. own episode.
0: Well, we don't want to lose all these great recipes and stuff to the uh, Dark Ages, so we need to document That's it. That's right. right
1: now. We want Rahul to find them. Yeah, this is going to be R- Rahul will find them later. I mean, I
0: don't know if there's shrimp in the future, but. If there are people, sure know how to de-vein them now.
1: All right. Well. Okay. So. So your next one, you you have to explain grits, so they can go with the shrimp. Grits. With shrimp. Yeah.
2: Hmm. That photo of
1: Eternal Warrior with the
2: Iron Banner helmet on is ridiculous. It's
0: pretty creepy. That that wolf looks awesome <laughs> with a <the> mohawk though.
2: <laughs> it's like Mister T Wolf.
0: Oh man. Okay. How long is this episode? Jeez. Three three and a three half hours.
2: hours.
3: hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's three hours, yeah.
0: We did it.
2: If we what if we mashed every episode together, let's say they all they all ran about three hours times fifteen. Oh. It's forty five hours of exotics. Wow. So edit them all into one show, it'll only be about nine gigs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll be back. Uh, soon-ish, with something fun, hopefully. So. Uh,
1: yeah, and to everyone out there that's that's been really craving the deeper lore stuff, it's it's coming. Yeah, it's been it's coming very soon.
0: Yeah, this was something so. like I said that there are the drop said numerous times. You know, this is something we really wanted to get done before Rise of Iron, which we obviously just squeaked it in. Squeaked. <laughs> squeaked it in. Squeaked it in and uh you know now that now that all of that's documented we can move on and the next exotics episode won't be until the end of next year maybe
2: <laughs> yeah most likely yeah
0: so summers just seem to be slow anyway for the podcast world so good time to do them so
2: and it's we got i mean there's a lot coming up with Rise of Iron and there's still so much we haven't covered so I think we've we've mentioned a few things along the way we've talked about getting a cabal episode done and having Kex back for that uh, he did a ton of research for the Lord project on the cabal uh, you know once rise of iron drops we have a whole new window into the fallen so we'll get that covered I've been working on a couple of huge show notes projects uh, for topics that I really want to cover so we're, we're back we're gonna we're getting back to to the deep lore stuff, but we're happy to have the exotics done so
0: Mm-hmm. 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 and with that
2: <laughs> I can play the game again
0: <laughs> we <laughs> are done we will talk to you all next time see ya
1: Thanks everyone good night
3: bye
0: Welcome to the second installment of X-Ray's Culinary Tips. This week, we're going to talk about oysters. Let's learn what a good oyster is and a bad oyster and how to shuck them and let's just, let's just get into it. Let's just dig into these oysters. First thing you want to do is grab your oysters from a place you trust. It's crucial to buy oysters from a source that treats them safely and with care. Like most bivalves, oysters need to be kept cold and alive until the moment you cook or slurp them up so they don't attract harmful bacteria. It'll make you really sick. There's a huge difference amongst east coast, west coast, and uh, gulf oysters. West coasts usually are small and sweet. East coasts are clean and briny, and gulf oysters are meaty. Explore different varieties to see which ones you like. The best way to do it, when you're traveling, eat the local oyster. Get those oysters on ice, stat. Keeping them as cold as possible will keep them fresh. Otherwise, they'll spoil and smell. And it'll be a bad situation. It doesn't matter if you're cooking them or serving them raw. Keeping them cozy with a bag of ice is your best bet. Use a towel or an oyster glove when you're shucking. Even though you don't need to apply much pressure, when you wiggle your knife into the oyster shell, slips can happen. You want your hand to be protected. It's also important to use an actual oyster knife. Please don't use a paring knife. It'll be a much more gnarly scene if you slip. And it'll dull your knife. Well, as for how to shuck, well... There's a a lot of videos online you can check out, so do that. It's important, though, to shuck your oysters as close to serving time as possible. Keeping them in the shell until you use them will keep them fresh and free from debris. If you have to ask your fishmonger to shuck them for you, well, use them as soon as you get home. Also important, if one of your oysters is cracked and its flesh is exposed, ditch it immediately. It's probably spoiled. Reserve liquor. Well, using the official term for an oyster's natural juice, not only is it an important part of the raw oyster experience, it tastes amazing when eating raw oysters. And it's also great when added to soups and chowders. Make sure the liquor is clear, then slurp away. A good oyster should taste, well, like an oyster. Don't disguise the flavor with an abundance of sauces and other dipping stuff. Also, if your oyster is covered in hot sauce or cocktail sauce, it's less likely that you'll smell a bad oyster. Like I said before, that's something you definitely want to avoid. Oysters, like most seafood, should be gently cooked. I don't love eating hot oysters, well, unless they're fried. But I like them in a light, airy batter. Like in our Hangtown Fry recipe. When it comes to serving oysters in stew or chowder, add your oysters last and simmer until cooked through. Which shouldn't take more than a couple minutes. If they're overcooked, they'll be unpleasantly rubbery. Well, anyway, that's all I got for oysters. Tune in next time for some more uh, culinary tips with X-Ray. Thanks.